0: Black Jack with Griffin and David. Black Jack with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Black Jack.
1: What is human? An ability to reason, to imagine, to love, or grieve? If so, we are more human than any podcast ever will be. What's the word you're replacing there? Human. I don't know. This is a, <laughs> it's fucking... I don't... I, what quote was I going to use from this? That was... That's the thing that that Naveen Andrews says at the end of episode like 11 when he's explaining to Will that they're more human humans. Hi, everybody. My name's Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. This is a podcast called... Boop, 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 blank Check with Griffin and David. Okay. Colin The Podchowski casters. This is a movie podcast. We talk about directors. Movies. They've been given blank checks to make crazy projects because of early successes. Yes. And we chart that whole fucking filmography. Pre-blank check. The blank check. Post-blank check. And we're in post now. We're at the last project. This is a blank check project. For sure, no question. We're going to do a bonus episode, but this is the last Wachowski project. This is the most recent Wachowski project to date. That's what we're talking about,
2: Wachowski's. Yeah, this is called the Podchowski
1: Casters. Yeah, in case you, you didn't, didn't get the title, I did say. Oh, that. Oh, you did? I forgot. I'm I did. we so tired. We're from both tired. This Show. Okay, so David and I both like crammed <laughs> this show in. We both yes. stayed up late last night. Do you want to? Uh, what it, I- the, the show is called? Sensate. The show is called Sensate. Yes, it's a twelve
2: episode Netflix. Drama. I'm sorry, a Netflix original. Next, drama. Netflix original series. It's a, it's a drama, twelve episode first season. It's what we we're talking about today.
1: Yeah, each episode is uh, give or take an hour long. Most of them a uh, little bit over. Oh yeah. Uh, both of us sort of got cocky. I think in our ability to finish this. We did. I finished it. Finished it this morning. We did finish it. But I'm saying we we lost a lot of sleep finishing it in time for this episode. Yeah. Here's yeah. what I did because I'm an idiot. This was my You're an strategy. Idiot. I'm an idiot. My strategy was. Uh, watch an episode and take, like, a 20-minute nap and watch another episode. That's a weird strategy. I, I, like, didn't sleep last night. I just took little mini-naps in between episodes. I have a lot to say about this. I do, too. <sighs> okay, so. yeah. Uh, hi, hi, guys. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. hi. How are you doing? I hope you're all doing well. Yes. Nice yes. to, nice to. I was going to say see you again. We're not seeing nice you. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you again. It's a privilege, an honor and a privilege. Um, We, you know, last week covered the film Jupiter... Ascending. Mm-hmm. That film is two hours and seven minutes long.
2: Yeah, right. Nice length for a film.
1: Our episode on that film was two hours and seven minutes long. Very uh, good. A friend of the podcast, Lex, pointed out that uh, it was the exact same runtime, which was, I, she was like, Was that intentional? And I was like, No, that is, we just were very indulgent. Uh, we really were. Really were. But uh, the point is, today we're covering Sense8, which is a combined 13 hours long. It's probably not that long. It's like 12 hours long. 12.30? <laughs> a tight 12.30? It's it's long. We're covering the whole we season. We basically
2: watch six movies in a week, yeah. is what I was saying to Griffin before we started this.
1: Now, David, you've worked as a TV critic
2: before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am a Yeah. I've done a lot of TV criticism over the years.
1: You've had experience binging shows.
2: Yeah. This I mean, people. this is the thing. It's like, we're like, oh my God, we watched a whole show in a week, yeah. and so many people, I think, are like, w-
1: I do that all the time. Like, yeah, see, I binge a show all the time. I never binge.
2: Yeah, I ha- I don't either. Once in a while, maybe a comedy show. Like, when Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt yeah. pops out, I'll watch that pretty fast, probably within a week, but not, like, in a day or, in, you know, in a couple, in yeah, a weekend or whatever. see, I'm
1: a meticulous watcher. I like to watch an episode and pour myself a cup of tea, process it, you know? When
2: I was in college, I would binge a lot of stuff.
1: There's one time I remember, like, really, I, I two times I believe I've really full force binged a show. One was- Sensei. Well, now, this is the third one. One was my roommates had watched all but the last episode of The Jinx. Mm Mm-hmm. That was just six episodes. Right, but when the finale of The Jinx was airing, they were like, Griff, you got to watch this thing before the finale airs Mm -hmm. because the ending's crazy, and I didn't want to be spoiled for it. Or, no, they had watched all of it, and the next morning they were like, watch it before anyone spoils it because I watched all six episodes in one day. Once again, like six episodes. And very gripping. Very gripping. Right. Very gripping. Uh, I, I very, was very depressed alone in a hotel room where, in a town where I didn't know anybody, and I watched all of the Netflix Arrested Development season, like Oof. straight through. Sorry. Which was tough. Sorry about it. But both of those were like weird conditions, and this was also a weird condition. Yeah. I definitely, now having watched it, like ideally would watch an episode of this show, wait maybe a couple of weeks, watch another one. Yeah,
2: I actually try not to ever watch back-to-back episodes of these hour-long... I have a lot of thoughts on, quote-unquote, like, peak TV and yeah. all this stuff, and I do think this show is emblematic in every way of the indulgences of that f- phenomenon, of what's happening in the world of television.
1: I agree. Here's something I think is... is. Uh... And I, want,
2: I liked the show. I actually did. I, I, did I, too. I appreciated it, and I think it, it occupies a wonderful spot in uh, pop culture, that is like pretty under, you know, represented.
1: I mean, here's my capsule review oh, of it. Okay, God. before we like, it's dig exhausting. Into it. It's an exhausting. And my show. My point is, this isn't going to be that much of a recap episode because a, it's not really a show you can recap. Where we usually recap plots of the movies we're talking. I about. think
2: I, I challenge. I think we could genuinely recap it in like 20 minutes. Okay. Like, re, I mean, at least very broad strokes. But sure. go on. Yeah.
1: Uh, and then, um, so I, I think it might be talking more general. But here's my, here's my capsule thought in the show. Okay. I think what the show does well, it not only does better than any other show, but is aiming to do things differently than any other show has ever done. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, like, give it big gold star for that. Much like any Wachowski project, it is overreaching, and you applaud its overreach. And I think it's the least well-executed of anything they've ever made.
2: Yeah, I think it has a lot of the growing pains that probably comes with a switch to a different format. Yeah, yeah. And the lack of control, I think, that is evident in all of these Netflix shows. Yeah. Where Netflix is kind of very indulgent of their creators, which is, you know, good and bad. And they're just like, you know, make the thing you want to make. And
1: so they give you your leash and you can hang yourself by it if you want. And the Wachowskis oh are great God. filmmakers, but T V is a very different medium than film. Yeah. And certain people are suited for it and other people are not. And like some of their strengths shine through in this, but in some ways, this medium is tough for them. I mean, I was reading a lot of Jupiter ascending pieces in the last like week since we recorded our sure, sure, episode. Sure, sure. And I read along when a long one, a listener tweeted at us um, about uh, the, the chase sequence. Yeah, I read it too, where they shot in six minute
2: increments that like right. the, that, that big chase it, sequence that, that we said chase? took
1: yeah. six months. It was like they liked the
2: sunrise. Yeah, so they shot this six minutes. Every day of when this when like, the light when the, was when right, when the light was right, yeah.
1: So they did like six minutes of that scene per day. Over so it was correct. Time.
2: They did it for six
1: months. Yeah, it just wasn't six months straight. Yeah. But um, like okay, so you look at that type of thing, and then you also look at talk about Jupiter sending. They were like had this idea come out, and they were like, well, uh, it was an interview they had done, and they were like, well, we had this idea before Cloud Atlas, mm-hmm. and then after Cloud Atlas was done, we really got serious about it. But, like, the first two years when we had the idea before Cloud Atlas, we were really just doing design work. Right. Like, we did two years of just design work trying to figure out the look of the thing before we even wrote it. And it's like, okay, that's the meticulousness with, with, with which the Wachowskis like to craft stuff. Sure. If you're making 12-plus hours of content, you can't be that precious about it because you have to make a lot more. Yeah, I guess so. But they're not. that's not how they think about this at all. No, but I think... I mean, here. here's the thing. It's not that I think they were like, okay, we'll lose some battles. We don't care. But I do think having worked a lot in TV, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is... Wor- working in TV has made me understand why some TV feels really sloppy. Uh-huh. Because it is this, like, speeding train medium. Right. You have one episode that you have to finish by a certain day because the next episode has to start up right after that. And you have a different director doing the next episode. They did 7 out of 12.
2: Yeah, this is, I would say, I think everything you're saying is true, but also this did not obey the traditional formulas of TV production. I know, I know,
1: and that's, you know, it's not completely beholden to that. No. But I do see a bit of that where there are, like, certain sequences. I think it's less visually ambitious than they usually are. Yes. Because they don't have the time to shoot six minutes a day for six months. Okay, but know? it
2: is visually ambitious in another way that's yeah. unprecedented for TV, which is that it's shot all over the world, right. which is crazy, and I don't know how they accomplished I
1: it. I don't either, but yeah. I think that's they made that decision, which is huge and gives the show a lot of power, yeah. and I think in like in like in making that decision, they lost another battle, which is like some of these scenes feel like one takers. Oh, that's
2: possible. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Well,
1: what, Let's get into this okay, show. let's I get into this like show. I feel like now
2: we're just getting into nitty gritty without. But there's another about guy
1: I want to bring into our discussion right now. With this, is a very dry discussion. Yeah, yeah. Let's get out of the dry. Come on. Yeah. Come on. We gotta get on. some bits in just here.
2: One thing: this show was ordered for ten, and they ex- ex- convinced Netflix to give them two extra episodes. Okay.
1: Well, fuck that. Because so I it, lost two hours of sleep not, last night not because ex- of the extra. It's not two.
2: like they had to fill. Like they had so much they wanted to do that they pushed it out. Which, once you watch the show, the show has a lot of stuff that is not propulsive in terms of plot, I yeah. guess is the the best way to say it. I
1: feel like it could have been six or eight episodes.
2: I think this could have been very easily a two and a half hour film.
1: I do too. Yeah. And 100%. I, re- I read an interview where they said that they, like when they came to Straczynski, because Straczynski wrote every episode of Babylon Strzinski. 5, right?
2: Yeah, he's a psychopath.
1: Right. So the three of them wrote the whole season together. They went to him because they were like, we don't have experience in TV and writing this much, this fast. You know, can you help us with this? And he said that they apparently pitched him a five-season arc.
2: Well, Yeah, well, also, you know, Babylon 5 was the same. Right. Babylon 5 was literally, he wrote, like, five seasons. And he was like, it ends after five seasons. No yeah. questions
1: asked. Now, what's weird is that this show feels like it could be a tight movie. He wrote
2: 92 out of 110 episodes. Sorry. Okay.
1: For the record. But watch, I'll on five. watching the series, you're like, I mean, it's his, you know, yeah, the first seven episodes are so slow in so many ways that you're like, OK, but when this thing comes together, it's going to really pop. Mm. And then the way the season ends is just sort of like, well, that's the end of that season.
2: Yep. More to come. Right. Okay. This show should have ended with episode ten. All right, you want to introduce producer Ben? Well, spoiler alert. Yeah, producer Ben. That's his name. Yeah. Ben Hosley. Hello. The end. The book closes. Wow. Griffin's giving me as close to an angry look as I've ever seen him give me. It's more of like just a look, but it's
0: from for Griffin. It's pretty angry. Because I'm usually ear to ear grinning. <laughs> hey, fennel friends. <laughs> How's everybody doing?
2: So this is Ben Hosley. He's our producer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, There's a couple other names. You
1: can call him Producer Ben. Yep. I mean, that's, that is a type, right? I mean, that's not. I'm not good stepping out of line if I say you can call him Producer Ben. No, you said he's our producer all. and his name is Ben. That's not me being, being silly, right? Uh,
0: yes, and I'm fine with that. I, I don't like Professor Crispy. Well no, of course not. Uh, I mean I, I think just say that. I think
1: logically you could also call him the Ben because that's just a nice portmanteau of his two his title and his name, right? True. Very and true. Then Purduer Ben was maybe a typo that he made once no, and we you, ran with you
2: it. I think you
0: invented that, but I that, no,
1: that was back from talking T C G S. Oh, okay. Right. Yep. He emailed us and said Purduer Ben. And we made well, fun no, of him it. No, it was that. in the credits. It was in the credits. Yeah, of the Chris Gethard show. In the they cre- spelled credits, right, wrong. Right, that's what it was. JD typed his name in wrong on the credits of the yep. Chris Gethard show and called him Perdurer Ben. And then JD defended it by saying that that was intentional because he's a pro doer. <laughs> yes. So that's, of course, though, I could call him those three names, right? That's, um, not, that's yep. not annoying you to call me on those three names? Not at all. Could also call him the tiebreaker, Birthday <laughs> Benny, Mr. Positive, <laughs> the Poet Laureate. A fuck master, not Professor Crispy, as we've cleanly stated. Uh, he already, you know, said a shout out to his fennel friends. But you could call him a, a shout out to hello fennel when you see him on the streets. Yes, uh, or see him in the sheets. Oh boy, uh, you know when when we go through a miniseries, he graduates to a different title. Oh right, we're going to debut the the new title, are we, for this miniseries? Ben Night Shyamalan, that right. the old one, yeah. Uh, Producer Ben Kenobi. Yeah. Sure. Kylo Ben? Yes. And I think by popular demand we we accepted a lot of uh suggestions from our Twitter followers. Mm-hmm. I think the win the, the one that went I'm so, so tired. <laughs> I think the one that won is the, the Merovingian. Ben. Mm, Merovingian Ben or
2: Benovingian. Alright, we're gonna have to See, put this to the crowd. We have yeah. a bonus episode coming up. That's true. There's not enough definitive I
0: don't Okay. I will also so, say this bit is you know, it's really building out names, and I don't know if that one rolls off the tongue. It's going to be kind of tough. Benavindian.
1: Benavindian. Okay. Um, I'll say this though: our poll did end today for oh, our right. next mini series. Yeah, I'm
2: actually. I've got it right here. But uh, you know, I don't think this poll is binding. That's all I'm going to say. But Ooh. I will read out the results. Okay. Interesting. Just because it's kind of close. Yeah. You know. So, uh, bringing up the rear. How many votes did we get in total? Three hundred fourteen.
1: Okay. A gentleman's three fourteen. Well, okay.
2: Uh, This is to—we're
0: all over the place in this episode. Yeah, no, you guys should get into
1: it. I just want to say to the listeners, though, uh,
0: I did not watch any more than the first episode.
1: So you only watched the first episode, but you developed your theories of what you assumed would happen in the rest of the season, yes, right? I,
0: I do. I do have. I wrote down some predictions, so, and so we could later in the episode we'll 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 check then on those. But I think
1: yeah, let's just jump in on. So that you're not part. trying to be funny here. You wrote them down. They're locked in.
0: They're locked in.
1: Price Waterhouse Cooper has. Let's them. not do
0: a Neil Patrick Harris here.
1: Let's not put it in a glass box on the stage or whatever. We got it. He'll make some predictions. <laughs> it's in a plexiglass box. And he'll make some predictions. Okay. Uh, results. God. We're oh, oh, yeah. So, you know, after we're it. almost yeah.
2: done with the Wachowskis. We're going to do another filmmaker next. We're going to do lots of filmmakers, guys.
1: Yeah. Okay. So people so are don't suggesting. Fret, you know? Here's the thing that I've seen a lot of on Twitter in the last week. Oh, why wasn't this person included in the poll? We got a long list. Don't worry about it. There They've are, occurred to us. There are very few people that have been suggested that we haven't thought of because we're, we're playing this out. This is a fucking evergreen franchise.
2: We're not doing Peter Jackson. Why not? For a long time.
1: Because we'd have to watch three Hobbit movies, <laughs> yeah. But I kind of love that
2: idea. Those I kind of love that idea, but I don't know that our viewer, our listeners, are going to love that idea.
1: I don't know. I think people want; they need a cathartic, an exorcism of those films. No, I don't know. We'll no, do them at some so. point. Yeah. Potter Jack cast.
2: That's an even great, better reason not to do them. Potter castson <laughs> Um. The 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 pod the. Podcast of the Rings, or whatever. Yeah. Um. Okay. So bringing up the rear in our poll was Catherine Bigelow, which you spelt wrong, by the way. Good job. I know.
1: I fucking. I'm good sorry. job. Good job. I'm sorry. Uh, sixteen percent of the vote. Yeah. Classic patriarchy. I nope. misspelled her name, and no one voted for her. Uh,
2: number number three, uh, Shane Black, with eighteen percent of the vote. I'm surprised Black beat Bigelow. I thought Bigelow it's was going to come rude. in third. It's yeah, a little because rude. Black's a bit of a strange suggestion. Even yeah. though I love it.
1: Yeah, but that was an oddball.
2: Uh, number two is Cameron Crowe with 30% of the vote. I mean, that's the guy
1: we were pushing for, yeah. I think, in our hearts.
2: And then number one is James Cameron with 36% of the vote.
1: I guess we shouldn't be surprised.
2: No, I say we do Cameron Crowe. That's my, we can talk about it.
1: And then Cameron. Look, I'd say, here, lock it down in your books. Our next two miniseries are going to be Cameron and Cameron. Cameron and Cameron. Order to be decided later. I agree. But we're going to do the two Camerons. Uh, what are we going to call them? Cameron and Cameron. We are the two friends. We're the two friends. We forgot to mention that. You know what's a thing I want to uh, start uh, uh, doing, I feel like? Because I was looking at, like, all our candidates of, like, the the these potential uh, uh, podcast uh, topics. Mm-hmm. And most of them don't have a clean name, like Pachowski casters, you know, that you can work in with it's their true. name. It's true. It's true, yeah. So I think what we might have to start doing is, like, making the mini series title... A like podcastification of, like a famous quote from one of their movies, or like the title of one of the. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I do. We might have to do like pod the cast of the world or something. You know, not that though. Pod the king of the cast. <laughs> not that either. Podcast me at hello. Sure, you had me at podcast. <laughs> pod me the cast. You had me at podcasting. You had me at podcasting. Show me the podcast. Show me the podcast. Show me the podcast.
2: Oh my God, Sensei. Okay, right. Okay, so fucking original series called So I'm going to sum it up. I'm going to do it real fast. Okay, great. Just listen to me. Okay, I'm listening. Focus on my voice. I'm going to drink
1: some water while you're talking.
2: Sensei is about eight different people around the world who are all born at the exact same moment and are mentally linked through some sort of supernatural or evolutionary power in their brains. And these people are uh, a depressed Icelandic DJ, a Chicago cop, um, a Korean businesswoman slash underground kickboxer, mm-hmm. a uh, Kenyan bus driver, mm-hmm. a Berlin lock, like, you know, like cracker, like a diamond thief. Yeah. Um, a... Indian like graduate student or like lab? No, worker? she works at the
1: company. Yeah, right. What
2: I company? Think... Indian.
1: Yeah. What company? The, her her fiance's company. No, I don't think so. Isn't that where they met? Doesn't she say that? I thought they met team? at
2: school, but I can't remember. She's Whatever. like a yeah. she's like a scientist of some sort, uh, who is getting married to somebody. Yeah, she's engaged to a man,
1: very wealthy man.
2: Yeah. Um. A, Mex- a Mexican yeah. actor who mm-hmm. uh, lives
1: in the closet, yes. and, but is like a, a sort of a male hunk star. It's a sex symbol yes. to women. They don't know that he likes one man in particular, his love of his life. Yes. And a trans woman hacktivist who lives yeah. in San
2: Francisco yeah, with her girlfriend. Yeah. Those are the eight people who are all linked. They are all sensates. Yeah. They are all part of a cluster. That, like so many things in life, was activated by the suicide of Daryl Hannah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about like a cushy job? Daryl Hannah is like technically a regular on the show. Credited in
2: every episode. She's barely in this show.
1: But that means that she gets paid for every episode. I assume
2: so. That's how that works. That's usually how
1: it works. So she's got one really tough scene. She's got this opening scene where she kills herself. It's very sad. That's tough. And it probably took her a couple days, you know, to sleep that one off. But then she just got twelve episodes of pain. She pops up literally silently in some episodes, but like I mean, I don't know that she says another word. That's a really good joke. I'm sorry I didn't laugh harder. I'm just Oh all... my Daryl Hannah joke? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm so it wasn't tired. that good. It was No, fine. I think it's really funny. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm just too tired to laugh. <laughs> you know, it's just like that classic thing. It's like, How'd you get your job? Well, Daryl Hannah committed suicide. <laughs> no. Um, uh, I, f- I feel like did I already say this I feel like we crammed for a test I feel yeah like you I said like... that on Twitter and I think yeah. that's fair yeah it feels like finals right, so yes. it's interesting
2: okay. I'm actually I think I'm way more balanced I watched about two episodes a night of yeah. this show right so I actually even though I you know it was a slog like a little bit of a slog I, mm-hmm. I don't think I was quite as worn out as you you're literally like your eyes are twitching at me right now
1: yeah I'm not doing great
2: so the the thing about the show is I just told you what the show is about it's yeah. about these eight people who are linked They've all got plots that are kind of spinning the whole time. Some of them are a little more specific. Yeah. Like a couple of these characters are sort of mixed up with a criminal underworld. You know, there's some really soapy kind of crazy stuff in another couple of, you know. And then some of them don't really do a ton at all, but they're just kind of hanging out. And they all begin to like visit each other in each other's brains and share each other's memories. And they can share each other's skills. And they can help each other out. They've all got kind of like a special gift. Like, one of them can crack a safe. One of them's a kickboxer. One of them is a hacker. You know, like, they've all got these. One of them's an actor. He's good at pretending.
1: Yeah, David's gesturing to me. I guess I am, yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of them's a cop, you know, and he can pick a handcuff. Like It's like, what if Ocean's Eleven was Sense8 and they could all become one person with all those skills in one person? And... Naveen Andrews,
2: a wonderful actor who I adore, yeah, uh, is kind of their Yoda. He's someone from another cluster who, for some reason, is in all their heads. I guess because they all saw him because he was with Daryl Hannah. I don't know. Yeah. And so he's kind of trying to nudge them along into figuring out how to use their powers. But here's, I mean, I was talking to my friend Todd Vanderwerf, who is my former mm-hmm. uh, colleague at the AV Club when we wrote about TV together, and now he works at Vox. About this show, and we were saying- like Did what he cover worked. the show? He's seen it. Okay. I think, I think he wrote about it. Yeah. Um, and we were saying what worked about it and what didn't. And he was like, the show should be, like, every episode is like, oh, no, a problem. I'm eight people. And then, like, they deal with that in a cool way. <laughs> like, Agree. You know what? How to deal with this problem is that I'm eight people. And, whoa, that's crazy.
1: What you want to see is the adult
0: version of Voltron.
2: You're 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 stepping on Ben's toes there. Oh my god! Really?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I was like, maybe they all come together into one big person, like Voltron. So that we've already hit one of my points.
1: Ben, great minds think
0: alike. Ooh, are You guys, sensates.
2: Maybe we. <laughs> oh god. So, so the show doesn't do much of that. It does a little of that, but it doesn't. That's not the core premise it of the like show.
1: One moment of that per episode.
2: Here's what the show is about. Yeah. We should all be nice to each other and empathetic because we, like, are a collective being and, like, humanity, should be, it's not good to be nice to each other.
1: Right, which is the overarching thesis of all Wachowski stuff. Right, right, And so, like, watching them hit the same point again on this one, even though they hit it from some different angles, and it's kind yeah. of an inverse of the Cloud Atlas thing where it's like, what if each actor is six people? Right. It's like, what if each actor is one part of... One-eighth of a person. Right, exactly. Know. Um but they are all of their own people. Pur- they're all their own people. When it's stressed out look when it's stretched out this long, yeah, it's 12 episodes. You sort of go like, yeah, I get I've seen the other Wachowski movies. I get the point here. There's this thing that Roger Ebert used to say that he thinks he thought he thought, because he's dead now. He thought that the most like <laughs> David's making his frowny face. Good man, dead man. Uh he would argue that, like, the most powerful um, use of uh, cinema as an art form mm. was as, like, an empathy machine. Yeah, absolutely. He was like, that's right. this amazing thing that movies can do is they can put you, put in, you someone in someone else's check. shoes and someone else's head and their emotions for, like, two hours, you know, give or take. And that's what films can do. And I feel like the Wachowskis really take that to heart. Yeah. And this whole, like, we're all connected thing that they've been getting at I think is less about, like, hey, it doesn't matter. We're all the same person. Like, it's not about wiping out our cultures, our backgrounds, our races, our genders. But it's about, like, you know, you don't know what it's like to be another person, but you should empathize with every other person's struggles because we're all human and we all feel whatever we're feeling, right? Yeah. Um, Which this film, this film, this show hits it really hard. Part of that's because um, it is, it doesn't have the same sort of blockbuster constraints that all their other work does. No. Usually working in, like, big hundred million dollar plus films that need to play in a certain way. Yeah. N-Netflix, Although Cloud
2: Atlas not so much. Doesn't
1: play in a certain way. They still wanted that movie to do well. No,
2: I know. I know. It's just yeah. Cloud Atlas doesn't have like action
1: sequences quite as frequently or whatever. But go on, carry on. I mean the whole Neo Soul sequence is pretty actioning. Yeah All but that's, that's a... one sequence. Well yeah. Well, and the other thing is when you look at Cloud Atlas and it's like six stories and they got it done in three hours. Sure. Right. You know right. it feels that movie feels pretty brisk after watching this show.
2: Yes, it does.
1: Cause it's like six, six and three, so you go like eight, <sighs> maybe get it done in four, and they're like, nope, twelve. The thing is, the show
2: is not as sci-fi as it sounds. It's really not. It's no. it's more of a soapy melodrama, uh, like just a straight up. It's funny because Straczynski, he writes a lot of stuff. Like obviously, he's worked in many genres, but he's a sci-fi guy. Like he's and like he even a,
1: like wrote comics for a while. Like he wrote Spider-Man for a while. Oh, like yeah. he he works in like high
2: genre. And this is just not that at all. It's no. really not. The only sci-fi concept is this idea of sort of sharing each other's brains, which is very vague and, like, not explained. Like, the specifics of it are kept pretty uh, low. Like, they don't...
1: It feels like that's, like, 10% of each episode until the last three where it becomes the overarching thing.
2: So, I mean, I have a problem with peak TV. And okay, get into I, you know, it. I'm, yeah. I'm, like, a TV critic. I've been a TV critic for almost 10 years.
1: Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah. Happy anniversary. Longer than
2: 10 years. What am I saying? Jesus, I'm so old. Um, and I've been writing about TV for a long time. And mm-hmm. I think that now, you know, anyone, it's boring to note, you know, there's literally three times as many scripted shows as there were, like, when yeah. I started doing this. There's so much original TV. Yeah. And there's all these networks where you can do anything you want. Like, like uh, Amazon, you know, with The Tick premiering in August on Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. And so... It's encouraged this, like, incredibly slow brand of storytelling that I understand it's, like, an interesting thing. I don't know. I'm not going to really defend it. It drives me crazy. Okay, so I... this I wrote, what... I've written, like, a whole articles about this. Like, The Path, which was a yeah. recent Hulu drama, was the most uh, recent example of this really pissing me off where I watched the pilot and I was like, I feel like I just watched 10 minutes of a pilot, but it was an hour. Yeah. You know, like... Do this faster. Like, we know what's going to happen.
1: I agree 100%. Yeah. Uh, I'm Yeah. getting to a point here. I'm going to restate some obvious stuff, but in the the name of, of making a larger point here, okay? Uh, used to be TV was a thing where if you weren't sitting on your couch the time the thing aired, you missed it. True. So TV by design had to be uh, loose enough that you could well, like sure. catch up. Yeah. That you
2: wouldn't have to watch six seasons of something just to understand what was going on.
1: Right. So the design of TV was make every episode as interesting as it can be. Sure, but also pretty contained. Right. But that was the thing. It was like each episode should work as its own thing. So if that's the only episode you ever see, maybe you'll be a little lost, but you'll enjoy the ride. It's like, what's the show Law & Order? Okay, I get it. Law & Order. (laughs)
0: Ben Hosley. Was
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, but then they added criminal intent and the special. All things, right, right? Andrea, that yeah, yeah. got a little more complicated. But you know, still if still you it's me. No, but, forward. you know,
2: but, you know, they, they started adding. There's obviously long been soapier shows. Sure. Like Dallas or, you know, sci-fi shows, things like, you know, they have a running story. Agree,
1: agreed. And the the gamut of those shows was can we make an appointment television where they have to watch it every week? But and the show still had to be designed where each episode worked on its own. Even if there was a larger narrative, each episode worked on its own. Right. Right? You're making one episode at a time. I get what you're saying. Uh, Then you look at like Peak TV, and it's not my favorite show, but it's obviously like throwing out a lot of the platonic ideal of like modern television. You look at Breaking Bad, right? Yeah. And I think the great success of Breaking Bad is like, okay, the larger narrative over the course of all those seasons is great. Sure. Each season has its own sort of mini narrative, what it's focused on. That's great. But also each episode works on its own.
2: Yeah, well, I would say that Breaking Bad is a pre-peak TV show. I would say it's more indebted to what we've all dubbed the golden age of television, which obeyed the structures that you are referring to, right? And which I think is like self-contained, big season arcs that yeah. work. I think it's. Just, I'm very nerdy about this show. I think it's something that Joss Whedon pioneered. Mm-hmm. Uh, working from the serial structures of shows like The X Files, but The X Files is still mostly not serial. Like mm-hmm. most episodes are their own thing. Yeah. Whereas like Joss Whedon was like, we're going to have a running story in every season. There's going to be a big thing at the end. It's going to be connected, you right. know, a
1: little more loosely, and each episode's its own thing, like you say. Yeah. And Breaking Bad does that too. And each, a million each, other shows do it. Each season is a volume, right. and each episode's a chapter. Right and they're all
2: part of a larger series. And this is I feel like what governs like so many of the shows that have sparked this new movement. So like the shows like The Sopranos, like fucking, you know, Mad Men, I don't know, like yeah. all these shows, The Wire, is the one that, you know, and then people Netflix comes around, DVRs come around, mm-hmm. and people start watching them kind of in these big chunks. Right. You know? Ooh. Oh, all of a sudden it's like don't have to watch it when it airs. Lost is a great example, yeah. and
1: people start writing to that with the assumption that like you can go back and rewind. Yeah, that when, where's the money? But yes, but but also that like you know when uh, you're on episode eight, you won't have a hard time remembering what happened episode one because it wasn't eight weeks ago; it right. was right. seven you just, hours you just ago. And watch it, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, um, I think Breaking Bad
2: is a, is a, is a better example of that than because that. like you say, Breaking yeah. Bad. You know, make sure that the
1: episode has some fun. Yeah. Like within yeah, um this show, I think, uh succeeds on a macro level and fails on a micro level, yeah, like, having watched the whole season, I really appreciate this series, that having Me too. been said, I don't think any one episode of this show functions very well as an episode of television, I mean, not really. I don't, not, not really. These episodes don't have, like, real arcs in and of themselves. No, There's just, they, like, a collection of scenes, and it starts at one point, and it ends at another point, and then the next episode starts up, you they know?
2: They sometimes will have an ending that's shocking, like, it'll be like, oh my god, cut two credits,
1: the right, dad which, got stabbed. Which feels like a cliffhanger just to get you to press play on the next episode yes, immediately. Which I think is something Netflix likes out yes, of its shows. A 100%. But, um. But like, you, you could go with this format, Right. Knowing that people are going to binge it and also the idea of this show, you could see them being like, sensei, each episode's focused on one person. Sure. Sort or, of a lost
2: strategy or skins. A lot of shows that you see right? You know, each episode would be about one character.
1: Or even like uh, Cloud Atlas, if the idea is like these characters are going mm-hmm. through similar struggles in their life, each episode is all eight characters dealing with their parents. Sure. And the next episode's all eight like, characters dealing with. You're but moving forward game, in time, thematic, thematic but it's these things. sort of thematic links or whatever, you know? Yeah, Sensei doesn't really do that at all. No, and, and there's even this thing. I mean, I was impressed at the beginning of the episode when you very quickly stated I know you were reading off your Wikipedia, but you very quickly stated all eight people and what sure. their basic conflicts were. Because there was a game I was playing with myself while watching the show. And I want to restate I like this series, but I find it frustrating in a lot of ways, right? Um, there were a lot of times David's giving a big thumbs up. He wants to reassert that he also likes the show. And only watched one episode. I mean, it was okay. (laughs) There were a bunch of points in this show where I was watching an episode, and I would just stop and go, okay, speed round, can you name the other seven characters? And I couldn't do it. Like, when I was on a scene, I would go like, fuck, okay. And I remember four right off the top of my head. But, like, some episodes do Bay's in it for two shots.
2: No, yeah, for sure.
1: You know, like, some episodes' characters aren't covered at all, and it doesn't feel like, it feels arbitrary which character. It's totally arbitrary. There's no
2: thematic. It's not like the episode will open on Wolfgang and you're like, oh, this is going to be a Wolfgang episode. Right. You might get 10 minutes of him and then he's kind of not in the rest of the episode. Right. Like, or something. You know, like they'll kind of pop in and out.
1: Yeah, and you also have like this idea that all these like sensates are being activated, right? Like True. their bond, their cluster bond is starting to like really activate at this point. But like some of them, like Nomi's arc is all about her coming to terms with being a sensate. With these sort of evil forces trying to kick it out of her mind, right, mm. and control Nomi, her. Yeah,
2: Nomi's arc is resolved by episode four or
1: something, which or is crazy. Five. I'd say whereas, six, maybe, whatever. But yeah. like
2: this, is the yeah, like some of them. Nomi has basically gone through the major thing halfway through the show, whereas Riley uh, Tuppence Middleton's character doesn't do anything no. for 10 episodes. She witnesses a murder in she episode She witnesses one. a murder in episode 1. Yeah. But after that, she literally sits in coffee shops looking depressed saying yeah. almost nothing.
1: Right. And then and then like a... Um, uh, uh, and then a lot of shit happens all right. of a sudden. Duna Bay's character
2: doesn't even go to jail
1: until episode 7. She doesn't even kickbox until episode 3. Yet. Yeah, right. She's just a businesswoman in the first two episodes. And you're just like, okay, well why are we cutting to her? Like, what's her
2: deal gonna There's be? There's stuff you know? like
1: that. And like, watching this made me... Res- back Cloud Atlas even more because like you have wildly different plot lines in that movie right and some of the stakes are a lot higher than others like the Mm -hmm. Neo Soul plot line is like this is do or die right whereas like the Timothy Cavendish plot line is like I hope he gets out (laughs) don't really care you know but it's like it's goofy fun but like that movie works of like just the way they weave all the stories together in a propulsive way and they have these sort of echoes and these handshakes but they're also sort of like rhythmically like There's three chases going on at the same time, so the propulsiveness of one chase carries over to the other. There's a problem in this. Did you see uh, it was fucking one of the best documentary short nominees last year? Probably not. Which was uh, Claude Landesman, Shadow of Shoah.
2: No, I didn't see that. Okay. I mean, I've heard about it.
1: So it's a 40-minute short documentary about Claude Landesman, the documentary filmmaker, making Shoah the documentary. So it's already a documentary about a documentary, right? Show of course is this eight-hour,
2: if not longer,
1: right? Like yeah. probing, like sort of super work complete, on the Holocaust. Yeah, devastating film about about the Holocaust, and this is a forty-minute movie about him talking about how difficult it was to make Showa, and I like hate this movie, right? You hate the the documentary. The doc, yeah, Showa, great, good work, love it. Uh, hate the Holocaust, love Showa, right? Okay. Uh, the Shadows of Showa movie. I kept on getting so fucking irritating watching it uh, because there are all these scenes where Claude Lanzmann is like, it was a very tough day, for on that day, we lost an entire roll of footage. And it's like, yeah, but that footage was about the Holocaust, like perspective, man, you know?
0: And I'm okay. not saying that
1: like, everyone's struggles aren't important and tough when you're dealing with them, but in this movie that's cutting between the footage of Shoah, where it's people talking about the concentration camps and Claude Landisman being like, and then a light broke. Yeah. <laughs> You're just sort of like, get over it, dude. All right. And I think Sense8 has a little bit of this problem. Oh, well, where we're cutting from, like,
2: someone's got a gun to their head and then it'll cut to, like, I don't know, traffic. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Like, you know, sometimes it does that. And that's, like, part of, like, these stories being stretched over 12 hours and there being a lot of filler, it feels like. It feels like they decided in advance, like, this is what the arc of the season is. mm Let's make it twelve episodes, and then they worked really slowly to get to that end point. I guess
2: so, but yeah, I don't.
1: know. I mean, there are entire things that characters go through that could be removed from the season that would have no bearing on the story. You know, it's like they
2: want it to happen. They want to have. I know, and they want the kaleidoscopic. This is so much about experiences, I guess. Yeah, and like you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't argue with you. The funny, I watched. So I watched this whole season this week. Mm -hmm. I watched. Ep- uh, this, is, this is an interesting it's almost an interesting sort of experiment because uh-huh. l- through just random fact that I needed to have this shit on a lot in yeah. my home I watched episode 4 which is called What's Going On and uh-huh. is my favorite episode of the of the show I,
1: I mean I can hardly differentiate them uh, you'll, well. you'll know yeah. what I'm talking okay. about in a second
2: with my roommate Molly uh-huh. and, uh, and then later I watched episode 9 which is called Death Doesn't Let You Say Goodbye and might be my least favorite episode mm-hmm. um, with my girlfriend and so, and like, they did not see any other part of the show. Yeah. And so episode four, what's going on, which I think is, is, it's definitely where the show kind of clicks, or at least you feel, I mean, this is my other objection to these drawn out things, it's like. You've invested so much time that when something works, you feel such a payoff because you're just like, oh, good! Yeah. Like, good, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the one that ends with them listening to all uh, with Tuppence listening to "What's Up" by four oh, yes, that's the best scene. And in the then whole they time. all sing it, and it's wonderful. Wonderful. It's this thing where, and it's also you've been waiting for them all to link up a little more. Like they've only been sort of visiting each other like one at a time. <laughs> yeah. And it's the first time that gives you a sense that they're all connected. And it's obviously, it's just a very good idea. It's just them all singing this song. And a couple of them start dancing with each other and in also, each other's brains. Like
1: it's more literal, a more literal version of this because they are lit- legitimately connected. So they're all hearing the song in their heads at the same time because Tuppett Spindleson is listening to it. Yes. But it gets to this thing that Wachowski's also hit really hard in a lot of their work. And especially in this show, it comes up like in four different ways as far as I'm concerned, which is like the importance of art. They're, yes, like, always absolutely. arguing for, like, art as this unifying force. It brings us together. It gives us meaning. Definitely. Like, movies aren't frivolous. And Speed Racer's all about how movies aren't frivolous, right? right? Racing right. is important to people. And this, you have, like, how much Jean-Claude Van Damme means to...
2: Yeah, uh, means to...
1: Kaifus? Uh, uh, Cyphus. Uh, I just call him Van Damme. Uh Yeah, Kaifus. But yeah. he's the van driver. Yeah. And the Van Dam driver. Right, that's the thing. He calls his Van Van Dam in in uh, Nairobi. You see the the rival van is called Bat Van. The idea is that all the vans sort of have like catchy names to yeah, make so them I more appealing. they're called uh,
2: Matatus. They're like it's like a common form of uh, transportation in Kenya, and it's like they're all branded. They'll do this thing
1: where they kind of drive, it's like, try to, like track. van into exactly. the city. Yeah, and they yeah. brand to make theirs look like snappy or whatever. And he, it's not just oh Van Dam's a catchy thing. He's watching Van Dam movies all the time. He looks at Van Dam for inspiration how he can overcome anything. A focus he is Van Dam is like. His guy. And then in the German safecracker plot, they view Conan the Barbarian the exact same way he views Van Damme. Yep. And then there's another one. What is it? There's so many, dude. Yeah. I mean, there's the song connecting them all there. Well,
2: I'll say in the ninth episode. Yeah. Which is, so I I think Molly, although she was completely baffled by whatever the fuck the show oh, was. Oh,
1: start to just before I forget. The other one is how everyone else in the Lido storyline talks about how much his movies influence them. That he feels like the movies he's making are silly and people quote uh, sure. back to yeah, him yeah, that's true. That's lines true. from his movies. Right? Yeah, that, that's yes. a good call. Thank but, you. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. So, but I mean, the fourth episode
2: was resting enough that I feel like my roommate was kind of like, yeah, very, especially mm-hmm. that ending is like really so transcendent. Good. Yeah. Now, the ninth episode is the one where everything grinds to a halt. Yeah. Like if you thought the show was slow before, it gets super slow. It's when Lido is depressed about. His boyfriend leaving him. Oh, you mean when he loses
1: a sandal in the pool? (laughs) In the bathtub? (laughs) That's right. Yeah.
2: And, like, there's a whole scene... Where he talks to Nomi in the Diego Rivera Museum in Mexico City, oh, and my. they're beholding a giant Diego Rivera painting, Ugh, and yeah. the, that's the art thing that I was bringing. You know, right. like, you know yes. they're talking yes, about the importance too. of that, yeah. which is an interesting little exchange, but it is molasses slow.
1: Yeah, it's like a fifteen-minute exchange,
2: and like she's sharing these like haunting memories of being bullied as a teen, like and like by boys in the shower because like she was different, you know, like all yeah. this stuff, and you're just like. Isn't this? Aren't they being like hunted by a corporation? Like, I like you. Just you get so lost in all these feelings, and Joanna was similarly like, I don't know what the fuck this is, and she kept asking like, why are they all speaking English? Which was a good question. Yeah. Oh, oh, I want to <laughs> write about this for a second. But, but I'll, yeah. I'll But uh, and but then she And then her reaction was essentially what I said. She's like, so this show is just about like you should just care about people, right? Like that's what the show is, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, we all like, get uh, it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um can we talk about the language thing for a second? Because the show is incredibly diverse. Yeah, And it takes place in like five different countries. No more six. Yeah. Well, two take place in America. Yeah. And the right? Other- okay, yeah. So it's six it takes place in six different countries. Um it takes place in America, Iceland, with a stop in London,
2: but mostly Iceland. First half's in London. Yeah, but she's just sitting in cafes. The actions in Iceland. Okay. Uh America, Iceland, Korea, Korea, uh, Kenya, Germany. Uh, uh, India, Mexico, seven countries. Seven, seven countries. countries. So it takes yeah.
1: place in seven countries, which is really impressive, and they shot in all of those places.
2: And eight, if you include London, which yeah. is a little bit of London.
1: And you have this genuinely multinational cast. Yep. And everyone speaks in English. Mm-hmm. Now there are things where within once the, in a while they'll speak in their own languages, which drives me crazy. Because there'll be these moments, like the first couple moments when two characters are connecting in the early episodes. And they'll show up in the same place, and then one of them will be speaking in their language, and the other one's speaking in their language, and it'll be subtitled in English. And then they'll be like, wait, do you speak English? And they'll be like, yeah, I speak English too. Let's speak English together. No. There's one scene where that about? happens. There's one scene, I believe, with Lido and with Duna Bay's character, where they see each other in the mirror. Hmm.
2: I don't remember that. Because- and he says in
1: Spanish, who are you? And she says in Korean, who are you? Okay. But to me, the, the
2: device the show is using is that English... They talk in English when they can understand each other. They're not but they're actually speaking English
1: in their respective things. Yeah, yeah,
2: no, but that's the thing. When yeah, that's that's what Joanna
1: kept at. She was like, "But what do you mean? He should be talking in Korean I, right now." I don't like that as a device. Well, I know it's a device. I don't like it as a device. Well, I know the idea of hearing it in their in our language. Like, it's
2: as much as I understand what you're saying. There's no way you could do the show any other way.
1: I disagree. Do you want to know agree. what I throw out as an example all the time? I thought it was going to be like a game changer and it didn't fucking do shit. And Glorious Bastards is like 70% subtitled. That movie's like 70% foreign languages. That film takes place in German,
2: yeah, no, I know English,
1: saying. and French. yeah, yeah. And the scenes that take place in the languages where the characters wouldn't be speaking English, take the whole first 20 minutes of Glorious Bastards are not in English. But
2: it wouldn't make any sense because then they would be speaking English to each other. You can't have them speaking in different languages to each other and they speak so much to each other. So I think the show just has to set this thing of, like, they've got to all speak English because you can't have two actors talking to each other in two languages they don't
1: understand See, I think they, they can't act off of each other. I think they speak in English to each other, and in their respective plot lines, they speak in their native languages. I That's how I would that do That doesn't
2: work because too often in this show, when they're in their respective plot lines, someone's hanging out behind them talking in English.
1: Okay, but there's a moment. If the idea yeah, that they there's can a feel couple moments. But feeling, I, I totally... There's a moment where Kaifas talks to, I think, Tuppence Middleton. Yeah. And he, like, says whatever. And she's like, what? I don't speak your language. And he's like, oh, do you speak English? I'll speak English with you. Like, he says that literally.
2: That's not what happens. I remember this scene very precisely. She says, you speak English? And he says, yeah, I speak English very well. You speak Swahili. Because he thinks she's speaking Swahili. And she's like, no. And it's just, they're trying to get you to understand that, like, these guys can understand each other on a deeper level beyond their languages. So, like, don't worry about the languages. It's... You know, it's a tough sell. I I don't deny it.
1: Yeah. What can you do? It drives me a little crazy and it, like especially when you get to the the Duna Bay sequence where she goes to prison, right? And t- I think what we, sh- we should do is maybe tackle him character by character. Okay, because let's it's do that. so let's weird. Do that. It's so weird. It's so hard to talk I'm gonna, about. I'm going
2: I'm going to do it character by character. Okay. All right. All right. So I'll give I'll, we, we can start with Duna Bay, who I think again, wonderful actress. What a great actress. Incredible. I think she
1: gives the best performance in the show. I'd say she gives the second best performance. Who do show. you like better? I think Tuppence Middleton's really good and a character that's really underwritten. She's, I like Tuppence, think she's a good actress, but I I think agree. she gives a great performance, especially considering how she's good. slight her material is. Real slight. Yeah, I think her and Duna Bay are close. Uh, no, I think that in that scene
2: in episode 10, which is where the show should end, mm-hmm. uh, where this show builds to this great climactic concert scene, Yeah, where they're all like mentally in a concert hall watching Tuppence Middleton's dad like perform. On ecstasy. And, He's on ecstasy, yeah, And they all imagine their births. They all recall their
1: births. Yeah, like we see one by one by a one. lot of prosthetic vaginas. Yeah, we do. We see a lot of... Can I say this? Some 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 crazy births. Can I say this? Uh-huh. So, like, we all, you know, you get a health class. They play you Miracle Life or some video like that. And they give you the, like, indoctrination. They're like, hey, this is what it looks like when a birth happens. Mm-hmm. And there's the thing where you're 10 and you go, oh, gross, right? Right, right. Uh, At the UCB, famously, if your show goes over time, uh, Shannon O'Neill, artistic director, will play a video of a birth, right? Uh I've seen birth videos a number of times. Uh I don't get grossed out by them anymore. Miracle of Life, it's beautiful, right? Okay, fine. I got so grossed out during the sequence really? because they're all fake. Like, there was something really gross to me about these eh, prosthetic bellies I admired... and these prosthetic, like, birthing canals. What are they canal. supposed to do? I admired
2: the effort of, like, actually showing it rather than the classic, I'm not, like, I'm you not know, criticizing... Hollywood. Like,
1: oh, look, a baby that's obviously a month old. I'm not criticizing the show for this. I may be criticizing myself. I'm eh, saying for whatever reason, I have a weird piccadillo about prosthetic births. <laughs> but it's like when you see, like, a rubber baby head coming out of a rubber vagina, out of, like, a rubber belly. Mm-hmm. and there's like a real actress there but wait I was making a whole point okay make a point I was just saying there's
2: this big concert scene where Bross they're me all I don't know they're why. all listening yeah. they're all experiencing their births yeah and they're like crying or having emotional reactions to it uh-huh. Duna Bay in that scene to me I'm like oh look look there's there she is she's kicking ass and everyone else is just pretty good at going on. Like,
1: you know, well, Duna Bay is a remarkably understated actress. Good good face actress. She's very good still, face. but she does very little. Yeah. You know? I mean she she just has um a, a really uh, strong command of her uh physicality. And she's, she's very able to convey expressive. a lot through yeah. But but while being very still yes. and being very minimal. She's an incredible actress. I agree a hundred percent. Her plot line takes seven episodes to go anywhere. Oh, totally. So let's do her one at a time. Yeah. So
2: Duna Bay in literally the first two episodes, she's just a Korean businesswoman. There appears to be some sort of like tension with her dad, yep. who is also works at the company. But there's like nothing,
1: and you get maybe two scenes across the first two episodes.
2: Very little Duna Bay, and she's, you're like, yeah, barely, mm. barely in them. Yeah, and then in the third scene, it's like, oh well. Also, she's got like a master splinter type sensei who tra- is training her to be like an elite underground
1: kickboxer. Right, and you're like, what's going on here?
2: And and it all plays into, you kind of need someone who's going to do, like, real sort of kick-ass action shit later yeah. in the show, so that's kind of what it's there for. That's her
1: Ocean's Eleven skill.
2: But it's honestly not remarked on much in terms of, like, what drives her or whatever. She no. doesn't really go like, and, you know, I became a kickboxer because blah, blah, blah.
1: No, it, like it would make more sense character wise for uh, Wolfie to become a kickboxer. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like in a traditional dramatic way, like he was beaten as a child, so he learned to fight so he could defend himself. Dina Bay just likes punching people, which is fine. I mean, That's I'm fine. fine with that. That's and fine. and she's kickass uh, action lady, yeah. and it's great. And I'm I, not criticizing that. It's it just, works. It, it yeah. just it
2: it just it kind of comes out of nowhere, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, I guess we're gonna she's gonna be a kickboxer, right? And then like two episodes later, it's like. By the way your brother who you have like this weird sort of like uh you know need to defend and protect because of yeah. your mother dying at a certain age. The other thing the show does is it keeps flashing back. Yeah. And you're like what wait is this a memory like you know because the show does so many other visual you have tricks. Because characters
1: flashing into each other's lives. Like the the language of how the senses the hates, like communicate with each other is just that like Bay will be dealing with whatever in Korea, and then suddenly, like, Tuppence Middleton will be over her shoulder. Right. Or in her place, or sitting next to her, or, like... Uh, Duna Bay will be having her side of the conversation next to Tumpets Middleton in a cafe in London. Right. They'll use the locations, they'll cut between them. Which is where being able to film in all these places is impressive. It's impressive. Because yeah. you're able to, within a cut, do yeah. this sort of like Sherlock Jr. thing where they're like transporting across worlds. It's crazy.
2: You'll see like they'll be talking in Kenya and then you literally cut for one reverse shot yeah. to Iceland and then right back to and you're just like, all right, guys, like we get it, it's cool. Like, which you as know, an
1: actor, that must be so difficult because it it it's be like so hard. You're shooting your scene you in Kenya. Why do you fly? Him, and then Reykjavik, a week later they're yeah. like remember that one line just remember the one reaction you were doing in between these two lines and now let's oh do it in Reykjavik god. on top of a mountain oh my god yeah.
2: I mean it's sort of impossible to imagine anyway so Bay has this connection to her brother who's been embezzling money she takes the fall for him and
1: goes to prison
2: this is all like real sudden
1: yeah and this comes in episode 6 and you're
2: just like huh
1: yeah and then the latter you, half—you've of- got the idea that her father and her brother don't really respect her. That her mother's dead. That she's constantly trying to win them over. You know, and she has this relationship, and then they just drop on you. Her brother's a fucking piece of shit. He's going to go to jail, mm-hmm. and they're like, "You fucking disgrace me." And she volunteers herself. Yeah, she's like, "I got no record. I could take the fall for this. I get off easy. I really- go to jail, but I get off easy." And you're just like, why would you do that? Like, don't, don't do it.
2: I I don't know. And like, this is the thing. As much as we're complaining about the show being long, yeah, sometimes things will come out right out of nowhere and be justified maybe with one little flashback, you know. And you're like, oh, give me a little more for to this make to make sense. Because they
1: don't have the time to flesh out each story for how complicated they're trying to make each story. But each story, like, they're trying to complicate in a way where it's like. Breaking Bad would have off episodes that weren't about him selling drugs that were about something else, you know? Yeah. And if that episode was like fully sort of painted, it didn't feel like it was like, oh, they're just killing time. It would feel like this is a sort of another element of this world. But this show, when you do like, here's another side element of Duna Bay's world, it's like, well, that's going to get two minutes of screen time. Well, this is the thing. She
2: goes to prison. Yeah. And then like, you know, we get like a couple little scenes of her in prison, like kind of learning the life of a Korean women's prison. Yeah. But like, it's inconsequential to say the least. Like, she gets in a fight, she makes a friend. Right. But then that's kind of it. And then in like the last episode or the, maybe the penultimate, second to last, her yeah. brother shows up and he's like, P.S., I killed our dad. <laughs> he's he like, was dad total- <laughs> killed himself.
1: And she's like, fuck you, you killed, you killed, our killed dad. him. And then punches the shit out Which of him. Which is fine. Yeah, but it's cathartic. It all- at again, that point. it's yeah. all just.
2: And so that's her story. Yeah.
1: And so she's like, I'm
2: going to get revenge on you for killing our dad. The dad was maybe going to reveal the whole flim-flam where she's in prison and right. the brother isn't. He was. The lawyer said, like, yeah. he
1: done it. it it's happening. Right, 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 and right, she right. said, what's going to happen to my brother? And he said, if I was him, I'd get in a plane right away because they're going to hit him hard. Yeah. And that's the story. So this is the thing. If you, if you just heard that story and you're thinking,
2: that seems a little unsatisfying for yeah. a 12-episode arc. It is. Yeah, you're right. And so that's where, and the show is compensating by having her have these relationships with the other sensates. And that's all well and good. Although she's one of the less connected ones.
1: Yeah, but like- She the, doesn't
2: have a specific buddy. Some of them have more of yes. a specific buddy. The
1: last five episodes, she's essentially sitting in a jail cell by herself. And at certain moments, one of the senses go like, hey, can I tag you in? And then she punches them a lot. And then she's like, I'm going to go back to the jail cell. And they're like, cool, see you later. Yeah, she, she's very helpful from an action perspective. But that's all she really does. She doesn't seem to have a strong bond to any one of them. No, she's she the one they call upon connection. when yeah. they need to punch. This is this other thing with the show, though, is like- as you said, I mean, it, it resolved by like episode six or seven, essentially, and then she just becomes like this sort of like plot driver. Yeah. But Nomi's plotline is all about her trying to understand this yeah. Sensei thing, well,
2: right? As they well, do you want to do Nomi next? As sure. they put it, Nomi is the nexus, and that's why they made her a hacker because she's like, she's in the, in the if there's any Sensei that's in the middle of everyone, it's her.
1: Yeah. yeah. My point was just going to be that like a lot of the characters they just start communicating with people in different parts of the world, and they're mm-hmm. just like, oh, okay. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, hey, what's going on? Yeah. And it doesn't feel like they've been living with this their whole lives. They're all being activated at the same moment. Yeah, I mean, the show has to eventually stop them being like, huh? What? I, I agree. Yeah, but some of them have no impact whatsoever. Sorry, you know, I keep punching and kicking everything. Yeah, some of the yeah, uh, regular Duna Bay here. Uh, some some of them, the realization has no impact whatsoever, and I don't yeah. need to see eight different people go like, what? What's happening? But I also like you could go like. Oh, crazy. This must be like that. Like, there's some of them are just like, oh, hey, do you come here a lot? No, I live in Iceland. I'm there right now. Oh, cool. So, what are you doing later today? You know? <laughs> yeah,
2: it's really like that. Yeah. Okay. So, we can do Nomi. Nomi, played by Jamie Clayton, who is a trans woman mm-hmm. uh, actor. And that's terrific. And like, this is a story that has so much right at the start. And then it's done. And then she's around, but more just to provide information, help out, like do hacker stuff.
0: Yeah, the ooh. first ooh ooh ooh. Oh, I, can I ask something? Yeah, Ben Theory. Uh, well, I, it's, I, I mean, okay, I I love a good hacker, <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. In a movie love a good hacker, but I feel like typing is like been so done. Uh-huh. Are, are we talking mouse work?
1: What do you, What do you mean? Are we talking mouse? Like work? when she's
0: hacking, are they are we seeing her click on that mouse?
1: Not, not really. Wait. No. It's
0: too a lot of typing. I'm sorry, Ben. Ah,
1: damn it! You're <laughs> okay. pro, you're pro mouse. Damn. I like I like to see the quick hand move around. A little quick,
2: wrist work, you know. Because she's got the the thumb on the pad. I think. Yeah, thumb on the you know. Yeah, she's got a trackpad.
1: This is a new shade of Ben. I didn't know you liked the mouse work so much.
2: Yeah, I'm a mouse work guy. So so Nomi <laughs> lives in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, she's got a girlfriend, Amanita, who's played by Freema... Agumon, I think Agamemnon. A- a- yeah, yeah, who's great from Doctor great Who. Great actress. And they are in a nice relationship. Martha like,
1: Jones, was that her name? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And they, like, literally in, like, the second episode, she just, like, writes out, like, this is why I go to Pride. Like, she writes a sort of, like, you know, and again, you're kind of like, is this show, like, about anything in particular, or is it just sort of going to be, like, random stuff like this?
1: Which is, which is the problem, is, like, if the show is just, like, here are eight different lives, let's live in them. Right. That's fine. Yeah, but this show is like eight different lives. Let's live in them with this looming like threat of yes. like bad shit. There's happen. sort of a
2: conspiracy against them as well. And so
1: anytime you're living in the lives, you're like, shouldn't they be worried? Yeah, I'm worried. Is I someone going to kill them with with eye contact? <laughs> but at the start, it's. Let, mo- I just also want to quickly point out. I'm sorry, Freema. Freema has uh, Lana Wachowski here.
2: Yeah, totally, totally. She's has got which Junipe had in deadlocks. Jupiter Transcendent. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She
1: looks great. Hers are like blue in this, but she's definitely Fine. got sure. the she's got the look. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway. She looks great. Yeah.
2: she's a hacktivist, mm-hmm. I guess. She seems to have some sort of a criminal past being a hacker. hmm And like really early on, she gets hospitalized. She's the only one who really goes through anything for having the visions.
1: Topins. Yeah. Topins yeah okay. does she I guess Robert. right at the, well Tuppence, Tuppence right at the end you mean yes Tuppence Middleton this is good it's Tuppence. all good I'm gonna say, just keep singing, singing songs, songs about, about, about actresses names. I like
2: yeah. yeah Um. but she gets like handcuffed to a bed mm-hmm. and she's gonna get lobotomized by like a sadistic doctor episode two man yeah. speed and train we're, I know we're going places you're like oh okay 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 yeah. Here we, Like, and be, and there's like a lot of like I think worthy and affecting parallels to mm-hmm. like you know the lives of trans people and people who are like, you know, hospitalized against their will because they're like quote unquote mentally ill or whatever, you know. I think they're they're trying to invest that in this story.
1: And I think the scenes with her mother in the hospital are really good. Obviously, actually. right.
2: That's and that's part of it, of course, is her mother is there, her mother and sister are calling her Michael and like yeah. won't like Sort of digna and is basically like, you're just going crazy because you took all these hormones, you know, won't dignify her transition with any kind of appropriateness. Right. You know, she like, wants, yeah. she
1: wants up calling him Michael. And, uh, I, I think this show oscillates between scenes that are like really sharp, like that, you know, sharp, concise portrayals of a, a life struggle, sure. a different life right. struggle, you know, it's like, Oh, that's what this person's going Sure, for. and it's part of the whole deeper empathy right. conversation. And scenes that are so violently inelegant. Like I'll get to one later when we cover that plotline, but there're scenes in this that are just so there are, there are so like you're getting hit over there. So head. hamfisted. And I think back to this, I know we're I know we're trying to talk about noise specifically, but I'm just free associating as thoughts come to me. Uh, you look at the the family scenes in Jupiter, right? Oh my god, yeah, all right, go ahead. And we ahead. talked about how they're like cartoonish and broad, mm-hmm. but that's like a tone that the Wachowskis play in a lot. Yeah, and this okay. this is trying to be a little more like kitchen sink drama. Like for for a sci fi show, kind it's like of. pretty grounded. Yeah, but it switches between tones a lot. There are scenes where they have that sort of like shorthand writing, but the actors are playing it kind of straight and it just feels ridiculous. If it's not in a cartoonier world. We'll get to whatever you're thinking about. Let's not talk
2: about Jupiter Ascending.
1: I love Jupiter Ascending.
2: It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, So anyway, she gets, then she escapes from the hospital. I feel like that's the first major where she uses the uh, handcuff picking skill of another sensei to get out of the hospital. Uh, Wolfie. No, not Wolf. Will, right. Will, Will, sorry.
1: I keep on confusing Will and Wolf. Well, they're like handsome men. And, and they're best hair. friends. Uh, and Oh no, Will wait, Will's the cop. the fuck
2: are you I'm sorry, talking I'm about? Sorry. My God. Jesus. Will's the cop, Wolf Wolfie's the yes. locksmith. Yes. Yeah, and okay.
1: and then she's out and that's it. That's yeah. her story. Yeah, and then the rest of the like her plot line is her like teaming up with Will to try to like make sure the rest of them are gonna be okay. Yeah. But like, the way she does that is mostly just by checking in with them and being like, you okay? And doing hacker stuff where she's like, it's okay. You're safe because I hacked into
2: the mainframe and now your identity is protected or something. I don't know. Like, but
1: in a very inactive way because they'll just be no, like, yeah. oh shit, something's going to go wrong. No, and she's I like, no, I did it four hours ago. Yeah, don't worry fine. about
2: it. She does have the first major encounter with the villain, Mr. Whispers. I think they just call him Whispers. Mr. Whispers. Um, yeah, just,
1: whispers. Uh,
2: but which is an exciting action scene where she's like getting chased by like a zombie and there's like a zombie man it's a
1: guy who had the surgery they were threatening to do on her he's this big lug of a man and she's like what's this guy doing up and around he was like lobotomized and then after he shoots a bunch of other people he goes stands in a mirror he stands looks in a mirror puts a gun in his mouth and she sees in the reflection that he is in fact whispers he's a different who's person who's taken over yeah. this body yeah He's sensating
2: in a wrong way. Right. So, the surgery they're going to do on her, which I guess is the conspiracy of the first season, is like, oh, they find these sensates, they do this surgery, and then they're basically these mindless soldiers who can be controlled mentally.
1: Yeah. So, like the people who have sensate abilities can just use them as vessels. Yeah.
0: So they can harvest human beings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is another Wachowski thing. They hit that less hard in this one than the others, but that it is happening. It's happening. People dehumanizing, using bodies for their own. Okay, so number
2: 3. Mm-hmm. Uh let's do uh Riley uh Gunnar's daughter. Right. I
1: think a terrible plotline, and an amazing Terrence performance. M-
2: Middle Tuppence Middleton. Terrence Middleton. Terrence I love Stink. Tuppence Middleton. Tuppence Middleton. Great actress. I agree with you that it's a very good performance but as we said. It's super She's inert. a DJ yeah. she gets like caught up in some sort of drug deal yeah. in the first episode that she's just kind of not even involved. She just sort of witnesses it happen and it goes down. episode one. She's that's like a one. drug
1: addict DJ who witnesses a murder and now people are gunning after her for the money. Like and- a little bit. They're gunning after her a little bit. Like they come back once. Four episodes later, yeah. and then the stakes are really high and then they just resolve themselves. Yeah. She goes to Iceland, no one ever looks for her ever
2: And here's what she does the rest of the time sits around drinking tea and like looking sad. But and this then, is, Yeah, it's all a perfect the microcosm. Way, you know, go ahead.
1: No, it's a perfect microcosm of this show where there's both too much and not enough going on at the same right. time. Like she's got way too many plot lines, but on a day to day basis, nothing's going on in her life except for like two days,
2: you know? Um, Yes. Uh eventually she is revealed to have this sort of sad past. Like she goes to Iceland to reconnect with her family and it's like, oh, yeah. She had a husband and a baby and a baby, and they both died in a car crash where she gave birth to the baby and then was abandoned on an Icelandic mountain.
1: Right. So that's like hinted at in episode eight and isn't fully revealed to us in episode 12, i.e. the last episode. And that's why she's so bummed out. And you're like, I get it. Sad. Yeah. would have loved to have known that from the get go. So those scenes of her sitting around had any sort of emotional import. And so the triumph of the first
2: season is almost her getting past this because she needs to help Brian, one of the other sensates. Right. And, like, not give up on life. Which is nice. But they get to that so late. They get to it real late.
1: Yeah. Tuppence is good, though. But it's what I talked about before in this podcast. It's the Andrew Stanton rule. You make the first scene defining Nemo, watching the guy lose his wife. So that the rest of the movie, you understand. Is that really the Andrew Stanton rule? Yeah, because he does the opposite of it in John Carter. That's why I call it the Andrew Stanton rule. Because in John Carter, they spend an hour and a half being like, I don't know why John Carter is so sad. And then they show you that his wife died. And it's like, I assumed it, but I didn't feel it because I didn't see it. John Carter is not a good movie. It's not, but it's not a terrible movie. No. It's an okay movie. I think it's
2: almost overrated at this point. I do too. Yeah, But I think it is okay. It's okay. It's not horrific. Okay, so next is, and I want to talk about this guy. And as much as he's just, like, a white dude, he might be one of my favorite characters. Oh,
1: God. I don't,
2: what? Uh, Will Gorski. Okay, you like the this character for cop. one reason. Yeah. Uh, he's played by Brian J. Smith, who is not an actor I particularly know. No. Uh I don't know if
1: you know him. Uh, he's no. very cute. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a cutie patootie. Uh, his character is kind of bland. He's just sort of the cop, so he figures stuff out. Yeah, he figures stuff out. The first few episodes, there's,
2: again, all this business and like, Chirac, you know, in like the, the, the right. worst parts of Chicago. And he like rescues a kid who got shot, takes okay. him to the hospital, so this is my interacts least favorite with some scene. gangs. Oh, the, the, it's no, shit. No, but this is
1: the scene that I was going to say is the most inelegant. When he's carrying... He was on Stargate Universe. Oh, just, of course. Yeah. Right. who do he play? Stargate. Oh, he played H- the Stargate. H- he
2: played the universe. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: Um. There's the scene where he goes to the hospital with this like 10, 12-year-old boy yeah, yeah, in his yeah. arms. The kid's covered in blood. It's right. the and most the nurse, blood I've ever seen the a the The nurse
2: movie. is basically just like, why you bring him here? Like we don't do gunshots. Get him out of here.
1: But here's the thing: she's not even that big with it. She just no, very yes, directly like, says, oh, "Like, uh, you know, you can't bring him here." <laughs> and he's like, "This kid's dying right now." And she's like, "Yeah, um, you have to bring him to the other hospital. Don't you know that you're a cop or you knew?" And he's like, "The kid's fucking <laughs> dying out." Yeah, and she's like, "Look." our hospital's been a lot better since we stopped accepting kids like him in here. And it's like, the kid's there, he can hear you. Like, I don't believe the nurse would be like... No, I don't know. I would don't in front know. of the kid be like, I, I don't maybe, care if this Maybe this dies. is
2: based on some real riff from the headlines thing or something, I have no it idea. It would
1: never play out like this. Even if this exchange happened, it, doesn't, it would like, never it's, the whole thing, play out this, like this. So
2: this is the thing I think you're probably thinking of where it's kind of hitting us over the head, right? Yeah. yeah, Totally. I mean, the, the, Devaluing the, the, human lives. The
1: Chicago gangland stuff. Yeah, this is the scene I hate most in the entire show, is that scene with the nurse in the hospital
2: um but you know what happens to the chicago gangland plot line plot line here yeah just literally vanishes yeah. after a few episodes yeah he's got all this business where it's like oh he has to like talk to the the gangsters because they witnessed something yeah. in a church where daryl hannah
1: was and then it's like you know what eh, forget about it like, okay but here's i don't know if i just was like going punch drunk watching the show and losing sleep or whatever Did they ever explain, because there's like, so, okay, this is the thing you like about this plot line. His dad is Joey Pantoliano. In two out of 12 episodes. No, three. 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 Okay. But, like, they set up pants early. Very early on, they hold up a nicely ironed pair of Italian pants. (laughs) Right? They hang it up. But he's got a poop. On the clothesline. He's got a poop thing. He's got a colostomy bag. Yeah. Right. And they hang it up on the clothesline, and then they hang a bag of poop up on the clothesline next to it, and you go, ooh, ripe. No kidding, me too. Yeah, <laughs> right? And then he disappears for nine episodes. Yeah. And then comes back at the very end. Yeah. But he- uh, And gives a great speech. And he's like, you bring the brat? You bring the brat first? It's great. But there's the thing <laughs> early oh, on- so much. He's I... so little. He's so great. Uh, he looks great in this. He's got like a it beard. He looks great. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I just missed this. Early on, and he's only two episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Early on, when he goes to the bar, when Will goes to the bar and meets up with his dad, and they're yeah, like, yeah, "Where he's like, 'Where's my dad?'" And he's like passed out in the corner, and his dad's like drunk, and he takes the gun off the of dad, and it's like, "Okay, interesting relationship here. This building, this could be something good. I hope this is a through line throughout the season, especially since I love wearing pants, right?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they're like, "Oh, your son? Why you still talk to him? I wouldn't talk to him after what he did to you." Do they ever fucking explain what that is?
2: No, he kept saying that he could hear this dead girl in his brain. I think it's going to play into season two or something. I I know it's not good.
1: They set up this relationship that's like so rife and it's like he's this sort of disgraced cop. His dad's in shambles now. He's like legacy Chicago police. I know they
2: set this all up, and then they don't—they don't explain it. Because he
1: gets a lot of screen time in the first couple of episodes. That's like his own shit. Yeah. And after that, he just kind of becomes the mediator. Like he's yeah. the moderator of the Sensei convention. But you know, he's real cute. He is real, real he cute. He's real cute. And you bye. know, who, you know who his dad is. Joey Pants. The cutest guy in the world. No kidding me, too. <laughs> Not kidding me, too. Joey Pants on
2: Twitter is nkme2. just if you want to follow him.
1: Can I marry Joey Pants? Yes, you can. Okay, you can. Thank he's, you. he's Thank ready. you for approving her for marriage. Ben, uh, will you officiate? Absolutely. Thank
2: so you. So Will has a relationship with Tupence, A mental relationship. There are a couple couples <sighs> they're so within cute the sensei. They're very cute together. She's so pretty. She's very pretty. He's also very pretty.
1: Yeah, they're pretty people.
2: Okay, so- Let's move on
1: to Kyphos, who might be the least. Oh, I'm sorry. There's one more point I want to make about Will. Go. There's a scene in the Will plotline that I've never seen in any film or TV show before. He's with his partner. They're in their car talking about how tough Chicago is. And as they're driving, it's just a two-shot, right? They're clearly driving a real car. It's not like a fucking phony baloney thing. It's a two-shot from the side, from the passenger window of both of them. And as they're driving they go under a bridge that is an elevated train, right? The the L train right in Chicago, mm-hmm. and they hold for sound. Oh, that's funny. Because it's a oneer because they don't cut to coverage. Mm-hmm. They're like talking and then the train comes and they just don't talk for 15 <sighs> seconds. They clearly wait for the train to stop going and then they just pick up the conversation again. All right. And I kind of loved it because, like, I know it was a technical thing because, like, yeah. when you're filming shit and there's a, a plane or a train, they go, like, hold for sound. It's not even worth recording because we won't be able to get this. Yeah. And they go, like, pick it up again after this. Yeah. But in this, it also kind of worked because it's, like, when I'm with a friend and we're at the subway station, the train yeah, you pulls might stop in. talking. I stop talking until the train stopped yeah. because I know I won't be heard. Yeah. Loved that. It's my favorite moment of the entire series. sense Emmy. Emmy. <laughs> for best, holding for sound. So,
2: Amal Amin, Amal Amin. As Kipfus, a great Kenyan, good actor,
1: has been let go for season two. Was fired,
2: yes. And I think Deadline was a little um, sensitive about describing that he had left the show, but it's very obvious that he was fired. He got fired after like filming, clashing. Yes, after filming a couple episodes of season two and clashing with uh, Lily Wachowski, I think, or Lana Wachowski. Uh,
1: uh, which one? uh, Lily is not working on that's right. season two that's right season two is just gonna be lana yeah uh i think Lily. lily's is, had a
2: lot of shit go
1: down yes yeah, so taking so some, she's some me time yeah. yeah um but i i know from experience uh i once was uh we talked about this briefly in a, in a previous episode but uh i i was almost recast on a show that was partially through its season and they were unhappy with the actor Oh yeah, sure. Right. And I had you been mean, like, you
2: were almost the actor they were. I was almost the with.
1: replacement. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, they were like midstream. They were maybe like three episodes in. I had been like a a, a runner up before. You know, originally for the pilot. Mm-hmm. And then they said like we're not happy with this actor. We're going to bring you in for the executives and do a final audition. And then the conversation after that was they want to recast the guy they have with you, but they're breaking down the numbers of how much it would cost. To not only reshoot all the scenes from the last three episodes with you, which will get us behind schedule because we're already on episode four, and contractually, they had to pay him for all the episodes he wasn't in. Right. So all I'm saying here is to fire someone after shooting two episodes is not a decision you make lightly. No. Because it's a lot of money. Yep. And it fucks up your schedule like crazy. Yep. Um... He is a great actor. Mm-hmm. His performance is he's very quite good. endearing. I think he's good in the
2: show, although I do think his character is maybe the least, like, sort of, like, he he, his, he has the least bearing on the overall plot, on, like, the the cosmic sort of. You
1: know. I agree, but I weirdly think his plot line is the best on its own. It's not
2: bad. Eh. All right, anyway. Do you know what I'm saying? S-
1: like, removed from the larger narrative, I think his plot line's the most individually compelling. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of that's his performance. He's a very endearing guy. He's very kind-hearted yeah, and open. He's, he's Yeah. So it's hard to, like, imagine what happened. I know um, on Twitter, when they announced the new actor playing it, Jamie Clayton tweeted, like, congratulations. So excited about this. Good news all around. And people were right. like, oh, throwing shade, throwing shade. And then her Twitter feed was, like, a thousand people asking her, is it true that, that he, he got fired for transphobic yeah. remarks? that he didn't get along with them. And she kept on being like, no, it's not that. It's not that. I want to deny that. But clearly there was some tension and it was not insignificant because he is gone. I think he's quite winning on this show. Yeah. I like the Van Damme thing. I think they play it well, whereas the Conan thing that gets brought into the German plotline later feels very shoehorned in. Yeah. Van Damme's there yeah. for episode one and I yeah. love the idea that like this guy- He loves guy, Jean-Claude Van Damme. But the same way that, uh, uh, what's her name? The the woman to be married in the Indian plotline. uh uh-huh. um, uh, keeps on, she looks up to uh, Ganesh, the elephant god, right? Yeah. I, like, he looks up to Jean-Claude Van Damme in this, like, religious way. Yeah. And I, I like that. I think it's funny. I think it's cute.
2: I think it's fine. I think this plot line is fine. I I feel like I've seen a lot of Hollywood work about Africa that is about someone who has AIDS and someone who is, like, gets caught up with gangsters with machetes. Right. So the plot line both of is- both of these
1: things are. His mom has AIDS, yeah. and he gets caught up with gangsters with machetes who are willing to pay him in AIDS medication. Yeah. They make it clear it's hard to get AIDS medication. Not only it's expensive, but a lot of it's uh, fake. Phony, yeah. And you see that actually. That's one thing I wish they did more of. The scene where you see, I don't know if it's at school or if it's at work, but in the plot line, the uh, engaged couple- They're at a meeting where they're talking about counterfeit drugs. I think they work for a pharmaceutical company. Yeah, they do.
2: She's like a pharmacist of some sort.
1: And that's a little bit of like the handshaking that I miss from Cloud Atlas. They don't have much of it. No, very little. Um, But so he's got to do this job to get this drugs, uh, to save his mother. His father's already dead. He becomes a runner for this businessman who is a great father and a terrible human being otherwise. He loves his daughter. His daughter has leukemia. So he's paying this guy in AIDS medication to do illegal runs of his daughter to the leukemia treatment center. Guys, it's all pretty
2: fucking complicated. They yeah, chop off a lot daughter. of hands. There's some hands chopped off and then it all descends into this cacophony of violence where he like takes down 20 machete wielding gangsters in like a bus stop or bus station, like a warehouse or something. It's pretty, well, it's But you talk good about,
1: action. I mean, like, probably my third favorite scene, If we're talking a holy trinity of scenes, along with Holding for Sound and the What's Up for Non Blondes sing-along, right? Yeah. The other scene I love is the one where he's, like, face-to-face with these guys who took his bag with the AIDS medication in it, right? And He just spent all his money on that, and he's not going to lose it. So he chases them down, and then fucking Duna Bay tags in, and, like, kickboxes these guys. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, my God, he's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. And he becomes this sort of, like, folk hero. Yeah, kind of. Before he becomes a drug runner and, the right. and then the whole plot line goes away. And
2: then they just immediately drop that. And then they're like, so, hi, I'm a gangster. Can you, like, have my daughter on the bus? Like, but I
1: love that section where it's like, now the van's doing super well because everyone looks at him as like the superhero. It, like, right, they drop away. it, like, right away. It drives me crazy because I wanted to see the whole season, his arc, be about that.
2: But yeah, my point was more like, you know, I guess his skill is literally just being a sweetheart. because you And know, a
1: driver. He tags in at one point when Nomi when needs to drive. At one
2: point to drive. But like other ones, it's like, you know, she's a hacker. He can use a gun. He can pick a handcuff. Like, you know. But Lito's, she's Lito's gonna, strength is uh, he's a good liar. Yeah, but he's that's pretty good. They
1: use that really <laughs> yeah. well. I actually yeah. like that the that's most. That's a good
2: scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lito can act. Uh, you know, uh, Kala, the uh, Indian. Uh, pharmacist yes, she can college. do like that's science right. stuff. Right. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, what does she really do? It's
2: well she doesn't do a lot until the last episode yeah. uh, where she whizzes up like a oh, science right. bomb. Right. Right right right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but he doesn't yeah, driving that's his skill. Yeah. Shrug. All right. Uh I next, like next I character, nice Max Reimelt as Wolfgang. Bogdano. I'd say this is probably a, my least favorite. It's just dull. It's, it's just he's a German safe cracker. He's got a friend who literally looks like a rat.
1: Yeah, I love that guy's face. He's a Quite great, a face. A great character actor. Quite face. a face. Yeah. I think he
2: must have been in something else because he's sort of recognizable to me, but he's got this like really ratty face. Yeah. Yeah, and he like cracks a safe that's mm-hmm. really hard to crack. His dad couldn't crack it. He's got daddy issues. There's gangsters. They steal some diamonds.
1: Well that was that it's
2: stupid.
1: I hate he this plot. He steals it before his fucking like cousin was gonna steal it. Yeah. And his cousin's a fucking dickhead. And they're like, let's steal it because we're better and our cousin fucking sucks. And then the the uncle is like, fuck you guys and tries to kill them all. He has an abusive dad. He's afraid to sing in public because his dad laughed at him once when he was doing a chorus recital. It is boring. And it's really hackneyed.
2: It's it's like so cliched. And like, there's this episode where they start spending money all over town because they stole some diamonds. Yeah. And you're like... Guys, like, have you not seen any crime
1: movie? Yeah, like, don't do this. that. We've seen this a thousand times,
2: and but and yet it still takes like seven episodes before Ratface gets shotgunned in the chest. More, and, I think that
1: happens episode eight or but nine. There's
2: one thing about Max Remelt's character that mm-hmm. really works, and I love it. His wiener. Yeah, he's got a beautiful penis. Yeah. And there's, he has a crossover relationship. That is what you were going to say, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're on the same page. You know, we're, we're not making page. a joke. No. It's no. a plot point.
2: Yeah, it is. That's that he's like. got a great looking He's dick. got a nice looking penis. And I've and been, it's like,
1: I, we've both been outspoken. We want more dicks on camera.
2: Yeah. Have you seen Popstar Never Stop, Never Stopping?
1: No, I'm going to see it tonight. Good penis scene in that Good one. Good penis. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen Bigger Splash, too, which I know you told me has some quality wang in that.
2: Yeah, it's got, it's got, that's got some more of the dramatic,
0: sort of vulnerable penis, you
1: know, yeah. where it's Ooh, like. Ooh, are there tears? From From the penis? penis? No, uh, while the penis is out. There's sort of more like anger and rage and stuff. I'm interested. Am I allowed to say your review of Bigger Splash? No. No. Okay, I won't say it. (laughs) Um, But it's a good show. I mean, movie. Good, good movie. Yeah, I'll say it. I would have. I would have been happy
2: if it had been a show. Good. No, it wouldn't have been a good yeah, show. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. anyway uh, uh, no, he's got a romance with Kala, who is the Indian uh, lady who is maybe about to get married and is worried about it. And they to immediately this guy form, who's very like,
1: desirable, but but she's
2: not very in love desirable with him. and sweet, but she's not into him and whatever. When it's
1: not know. right, it's not right. He's just not that into you. Yeah. I made it well, up. Just trademark. not that into. No, him. I
2: made it up. Trademark. Um. <laughs> But so there's this scene where she's about to get married and then and she crosses over to him and they've already been kind of mind flirting and dancing together. And they're
1: looking at the guest list and they're going, OK, Aunt Aunt Patricia here, my college roommate Doris here, Dick, who invited the dick here? And she and he's getting out of the bath, mm-hmm. the, the the bathing hall.
2: He's in a. Yeah. And so she's like literally getting married. There's a lot of bathing in this show.
1: Got to take a bath. Yeah, but multiple characters gotta take a bath <laughs> a lot of characters bath not a lot of shower scenes a lot of bathing.
2: um and she but this is the only incident of like serious nudity I guess in the beginning you see um Nomi and uh Amanita having sex but like there's not a lot of
1: you they have two sex scenes
2: I guess so there's not there's not a ton of nudity some you of these see, Netflix you see her shows are like...
1: in a bath once
2: sure but some of these Netflix shows you know they're really like
1: Aah! Here's a booby. You're, yeah. you're getting a booby. you're getting a booby.
2: But anyway, and she's getting married And she just, he pops into her brain And she literally just like takes A shocked
1: look At his Flaccid wiener They cut from her shocked face straight to Single, close up Of a wiener yes. And then from the wiener the camera slowly Back. Tilts up to his face And then you're like, oh that's whose wiener it is Right, but it's one of the few times I've seen like not for joke purposes, just like here's a clean shot of a week. and then she faints. Yeah, she does faint. Comes interrupting plot point. the wedding, and the, yeah, and then
2: the, he does say like, "You were looking at my dick later," and she's like, "I was not, but she was." She was looking at his dick. We all saw it. So that's his that's his major contribution. I feel like quality. He also dong. he helps Leto, like fight some gangsters at one point.
1: Uh, Later on, yeah, because blackmail and not he's a gangster rapper.
2: Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Kala, we'll just wrap her up. She's got a really frustrating plotline. I feel yep. like the Indian woman who, like, there's this whole idea that she's religious mm-hmm. and she's also a woman of science and she's an independent woman in like you know a still very stratified society and a very strict society and
1: these two things can exist independently and
2: she's got this lovely dad who's a cook who's played by Anupam Kher Anupam Kher who's this like amazing amazing Indian actor he's great in that he's in Bendit like Beckham he's in like he's been in a, seen ben he's like been Beckham. in a few American movies and he's always great but I think he's like a legend of Indian mm-hmm. cinema and he's so good and he's just like I love you do whatever you want to do I'm happy you're getting married so here's my problem. Why is she getting married? Yeah. Because the whole thing is like, it, the whole season is her deciding whether or not she's going to get married, even though you know he doesn't, she doesn't love this guy. See, this is when and, I... Oh, Penis Man says, you don't love him when she- then, when And she's she like, yeah, I don't. She doesn't he's love him. He's a nice guy. I don't love I him. I mean, I get that Like a lot of money's been spent on this wedding, and yeah. he's very nice. Right. Like, he's a sweetheart. This rich husband, of uh, fiancé of hers.
1: This is when the Claude Landisman, like, Shadows of Shoah thing hits hard for me. It's like, if you go from, like, someone with a gun to their head to her, when she already has decided episode one, like, she doesn't change her mind at all. Episode one, she's like, I'm not in love with him. I shouldn't marry him. And then proceeds to, for 12 episodes, not do anything about it. Yeah. Proceed with the wedding, even though she knows she doesn't want to. I yeah. think, I think guys,
0: you're just, you're, it's like a cultural thing. I mean, like, in... And you know, dowry and whatnot. I feel like it's just that's part of the culture there.
1: No, but there even is this thing where like Ben it gets to later in the season that the father doesn't like neither parent wants them to get married.
0: Oh well that's just dumb. Yeah, his
1: dad doesn't like her. And then later in the season, her dad is like, I know you're not in love with him. You have to make the tough choice. Like, I know it's difficult, but I know you'll do the right thing. So it's like no one's forcing them to get married. It's
2: true. People are almost saying they shouldn't. But then every time she's like, maybe I don't want to get married, The the fiance is just like, I understand. Like, it's
1: okay. He's a very nice guy, but she just doesn't love him. And there's even like the first episode, one of her friends is like, If you don't marry him, I will. So it's like so her friends even know that she's like on the phone? Fen- <laughs> Everyone's just like, Look, well, if you don't want to marry him, it's fine. She's
2: a very internal character, which is fine. And it's fun to see her occasionally get drawn out with the sensates, like when she's talking in her head. Yeah. That's fine. And
1: the scenes with her and uh, Max Yeah Max. Penis, uh, right. our Max Penis are great. Like Max and Wolfie are the two I'm confusing. Not Will and Wolfie. I keep on thinking Max's name Wolfie. Max is Wolfie... The, Wolfie's rat face. No, Max is the actor. Wolfie is the character. Oh, okay. I'm Wolfie. calling they're all one person. Oh, you drive me
2: crazy. Sorry, buddy. Um, We're all one person. Max penis. Yeah. Um so she doesn't do anything for twelve episodes. Moving on. Yeah, she does look at that dick. Yeah. Yeah. But she I mean she makes a science bomb in episode twelve.
1: And we do too, which is nice because we can relate to her. We're all looking at that dick. The final
2: character that we haven't discussed is Lito Rodriguez, played by Miguel Angel Silvestre. A Basque background Mexican actor. Basque? What's Basque? He's Basque. It's a region of Spain. Oh, gotcha. I thought it was an acting style. They ask him. He's like, I'm from Bilbao originally. You know, it doesn't really come up. Um... Uh, it's cute. Yeah. this cute so, plot line. so it's like kind of an old fashioned plot line which they save by setting it in Mexico. The idea of like oh my God if anyone found out he was gay like his career would be over. It's you a know. comedy of
1: manners. This is sort of the equivalent of the Timothy Cavendish plot line. And there definitely are points where, like, they're playing jaunty music during this where it's like, oh, how goofy this plot line is. And it's kind of cute because it's like he's got a
2: nice boyfriend. They love each other. Never in question. He's got this beard girlfriend who's basically just,
1: like, becomes their best pal. And they all hang out together and, like, sit around in their underwear. When she finds out that he's gay, rather than blowing everything like they think she will, she's she's like, like, this is great. I love it. I love gay men. I want to live with you. I want to be your live-in Beard, right. And she masturbates while watching them fuck. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and yep, that's true. That's a scene. Yep. Uh, which is like, that's where Sense8's kind of important because it's like, no other TV show's doing that scene. This is true. This is like complicated sexuality, you know? There's a lot of great fucking. Yeah. That's what she's into. Uh, she's into watching sex. But you uh, know what? Sex. This yeah. is a 12 episode show. What's, wait, what's your point? I don't know. That's the whole plot.
2: (laughs) You know? And then in episode nine, she gets into some trouble and the boyfriend breaks up with uh, Lito because he's like, you know... Your closeted Well, we nature should talk about putting... this
1: a little bit. So the other reason why she wants to live with them in addition to loving seeing that dude on sex... She's got like sex, an abusive former boyfriend or whatever. Right, this like drug lord kind of guy who <laughs> wanted so her. Many drug lords. Yeah, there's a lot of drugs in this Bleah. show. Um, the, the, he wanted her and she was like, no, and now he's angry because he can't have her. and He's possessive and he's, a, he's a, a, a abuser. He's a physical abuser. So, you know, she she... Yeah, he beats her up because he steals her. It does. Can we
2: can we just be over? But can we be done? There's, can there's, we just be done with this? There's
1: the scene where he shows up at the house, and they're like, "What are you doing here?" He's wearing a luchador mask. He has broken into their home. They've gone out, and and the boyfriends pretended to be a bodyguard. And it's like, "Oh, look at us. We're fun." Where it's like Jules and Jim. It's this sort of like three way relationship, right? Yeah. And then he's like, "Hello there," wearing the luchador mask. They're like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" He's like, I want to watch you fuck her. they're like, what? And he's like, gotta learn from the best. You want to play football? You watch the best footballers. And they're like, get the fuck out of here. So you think there's going to be a scene where he forces him to fuck a woman at gunpoint, which then doesn't happen. But then it turns out an episode later that he stole her phone which has all these pictures of them fucking because she likes that. Dude, this sucks. So Let's then he's just gonna blackmail I mean, them. I mean, this is all. This is all crappy plot. It's really bad. There was one moment I liked. Okay, them. what was the moment you liked? Um, I I liked this scene. I think they did a good job of showing the sort of pathological justification of physical abusers.
2: That's fine. I agree with you. It just. Like a lot of this stuff comes right out of nowhere. Yeah, agreed. And then suddenly there's like a lot
1: of it. But there is that line where she says, "Like you used to beat the shit out of me," and he's like, "I'm Mexican. This is you yeah, have to understand sure, absolutely, it." Absolutely, absolutely. And it's like that kind of insipid. Like yeah. I'm not wrong. You don't understand how the world works. Yeah, he's just like this I is have how to it beat is. You. Right, right, right. And it's like you know, because a lot of things. Look, uh, uh, beating people terrible. The absolute worst. Yeah, don't do it. No, but no, a lot quite. of a lot of shows will like just be like, "Guy's a monster." Yes, I agree with that. People who are monsters justify why they're not monsters in okay, their head, and I think that's a very Wachowski touch. I like that one moment. Here's my
2: counter. Yeah. The guy is 100% a monster with no characterization. Agreed, 100%. Yeah, yeah, so that one
1: line is out of line yeah. with like the rest of what's going doesn't on. doesn't really
2: work because it's just like he's just a demon they need to defeat and they do, with
1: violence. Yeah, I just thought that was a good piece of dialogue that didn't sync up with the rest of the character. Yeah, it's, it is. Because he also, if, like, fucking like, sticks a knife to Leto's throat I during, know, like, a brunch. But, uh, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that's out of whack, because he, like, clearly is just a monster. He's a he's a mustache twirling monster. You
2: know what they do? They solve it all and they get her out of there and they reunite and they're happy.
1: But like half of these plot lines and are And he uses solved... his
2: acting skills to help oh, he's a good people liar. break into things. Sometimes.
1: Wolfie won't stand up to his uncle because like... That's a pretty good scene. That's a good scene. Wolfie won't stand up to his uncle because it, he reminds him of his father and he can't talk back to his father. And Leto's, like, just lie to him. And he's like, I can't do it. And Leto's like, I'll do it. Tag in. And then gives, like, the fucking best performance Yeah, no, those scenes are fun. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Half the eight are, like, resolved way too neatly. And the other half are not resolved at all. Yeah. And it's like, here's chapter one of five. And this is the thing. The show is kind of like, well, don't worry about it. There'll be more. Okay. Yeah. We just got a lot. We got a lot and it's like I, make make each and hour it, of television I watch interesting on its own. Make and, each season interesting on its own. Don't make me have to watch five seasons for this whole thing to fit together.
2: And there's these moments that are great, like Amazing. the four non-blonde scene or the birth scene, you know, like these sort of Collective moments are very cool.
1: And even just this worldview Some and of the action's really cool. Oh, the absolutely. The action is great. And it's just like, it, it, this, I mean, someone tweeted when the show came out, like, this is essentially diversity, the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a show with no barriers in, in who it covers and how it covers them. Sure. And sort of, aside from the villain characters who are very one-dimensional, the heroes of our show are all portrayed with no judgment. Yeah. And there's the sort of thing, there's the sex scene where, like, two of the couples are fucking and then like simultaneously four other characters feel like they're being fucked and you have this orgy scene in like the, the public bath that Will goes to yeah. where they're all sort of fucking each other and then episode 12 when was it Lito and Will meet for the first time and he's like oh I fucked you tight ass right yeah. and Will isn't like what well, dude get the fuck out of here they're like, yeah, we did all fun. you know? <laughs> like, this show has, like, a very, unsurprisingly, very inclusive sense of sexuality, where it's like... Which is if, all great. If you want to be straight but masturbate to two gay guys fucking, do that, you know? There, there, it's not a... Yeah, If
2: exactly. you want to be a
1: transgender lesbian, if you want to have straight-up normie, hetero-missionary just, sex... Just,
2: you just look at each other and hold hands, yeah. go for it. If you
1: want to brain fuck everybody, <laughs> if you want to kiss on a mountain, you can do whatever you want. But just... Give me some
2: pot, you know, to hang that yeah, all on. That's like, you know,
1: philosophically, I
2: I adore. No, this me show. too. I, I'm glad I watched it. Me I, too. I'll probably watch season two. We're not doing another episode about Absolutely it.
1: Absolutely not. I'll watch that season gradually over Quiet. the course of a year. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch one um, minute at a time. God. Um, um, I'm glad this show exists. I do me think, too. and I, I, I'm a little worried that it's going to consume the Wachowskis'
2: me time too. so much yep. because I kind of just want him to make movies.
1: Because I think watching this, I'm like, their best, like, platform is, like, huge hundred dollars dollar, two million, two-hour, three-hour story. You yeah, know? but the box office doesn't agree with you, right? That's I the know, problem. But they're, like, two of the filmmakers who should only work on that scale. Like, I don't think they work as well on a smaller scale. And even something like Bound that was cheap is, like, very stylized. And yep. this is trying to be more naturalistic. Mm. And it's like not necessarily their best flavor yeah. as dramatists. No,
2: but it's got a lot of their interesting ideas. And it seems to make a lot of people happy. It has a very passionate segment of fans on the internet. People love it, love it. It's it's not like Netflix's biggest hit by a long shot, but it does have, you know, fervent fans.
1: It's a show that does things that no other show is doing.
2: You know, and when we're talking about TV, like, this is exactly what Netflix wants. It wants shows that inspire passionate fans because then, you know, that's all they need. They just need you to want to watch one Netflix show because then you're going to subscribe to Netflix. Each subscriber needs one Netflix series that keeps them It's, It's, you know, Netflix is like, it's just like forty Arlisses.
1: That, that was the HBO model. Was was Arliss stayed on forever well, it was because like H- ten people loved Arliss and were like, "I'll cancel my subscription if Arliss right. gets canceled." Well, that was
2: HBO offered broad shows that yeah. lots of people like, but it always had Arliss, and people be like, "Why do you still have Arliss? Nobody likes Arliss." Yeah. And HBO was just like, "We absolutely know that like X many people yeah. like Arliss, and, and it, it justifies it." And financially. it was like
1: ten people were ride or die Arliss fuckers. Like we're like, "I'm gonna there bone was like eight out. seasons of Arliss." Robert Will, though yeah, Robert Will, though Robert Woldo. Anyway,
2: so tune in next week for our list cast. Yeah,
1: yeah. R- R- ben, you want to do some predictions? So time. Yeah,
0: let's open up the envelope here. Okay,
1: let <laughs> me like, hear the crack, cre- the crack of the glass box. Okay, okay. Envelope ripped. You yep. remember that Neil Patrick Harris thing was the worst? That's thing one in of the world. worst bits I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> All right,
1: wow. I wrote that bit. Yeah.
0: So, uh, okay, let's start. I uh, I wrote some. Uh,
1: did you hear the actual jostling of the paper?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ben's great. He's the best.
1: Ben's the best.
0: So I wrote down powers for all the individual, like, sense eight
1: characters. Oh, okay. That You thought they were all going to have. Okay.
0: So, uh, soap opera actor. I thought he would give everyone the power of seductive facial hair. he mm.
1: He's got mm. a perfect amount of stubble.
0: Oh, my God. It's, like, pretty immaculate. It's,
1: a, it's incredible. Yeah, and it's thick. It's dense, and it's dark.
0: Uh... I thought for DJ, her power would be anytime you're in a social situation and you don't want to, like, pay attention, you magically can wear headphones and ignore them. (laughs) Boy, oh, boy. These are really dumb.
1: That is pretty much her plot line for six episodes is just sitting with headphones while other people talk about stuff she doesn't want to deal with. Okay.
0: I was right about, um, the, uh. Korean character uh-huh uh just beating the shit out of terrible people you thought that was you yeah. you called it yeah because she she like made a fist when you know there was that shitty businessman
1: oh that's a great line she has later in the show when it's like what do you do and she's like I take all my anger and all my rage and I put it all into my fist yeah yeah
0: uh white cop just he's not racist
1: yeah, he is. That's Good sort of power. His superpower. Yeah, that's yep. cool, but he never really grows beyond that. Yeah, okay. He's cute, and he's got a nice pair of pants in the closet. Go on.
0: Uh, I mean, safe cracker, I wrote patience, but it sounds like his dong is that real power. <laughs> 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 yeah, pretty much. Yep. Uh, and then I don't know. Uh, Indian uh scientist, just a cutie pie. So you know. Yeah, she is a cutie pie. That's her power,
1: I guess. And then she makes a bomb in one scene of one episode. Cool. Well, all right. Indecisiveness, I'd say, is her power too. Oh right, a little bit, yeah. Inability to act on her feelings. Yeah, she's a real Hamlet on
0: the Ganges. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I wrote, a "Cab driver is a good
1: driver." So yeah, well, yeah, nailed it.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'll I'll go through these pretty quick because I think we mostly hit a lot of these. Okay, and you um, thought
1: they were all gonna Voltron together? Totally. Yeah, I was like really hoping for it, and like a, a, a like a
0: costume maybe am- has an
1: eight on it. How amazing would it be if they didn't even, like, suit up into robots, but there was just a scene where suddenly, like, one of them was a leg? Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Where, like, a whole human being was operating as if they were a leg? Okay. Rest of predictions. Cool. Uh,
0: And so I thought uh, there might be a moment where... At first, they don't trust each other, and so there's a montage where they do trust exercises together. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd say that was sorely lacking from this show, trust exercises. Uh,
0: yeah. I I was pretty montage heavy. I wrote mm-hmm. here, slow montages of them walking all together, like Ocean's Eleven. Okay. Should have done that. That would have been cool.
1: Especially because they kind of have to heist together at the end. Dude,
0: it would have been good. Yeah. Um... And then I wrote time travel, and they change history. <laughs> you just always want that to happen. I really do. It's my go-to. Um, yeah. Otherwise, there's some really other, some really dumb stuff. I'm gonna self-edit and uh, say that's all I got.
1: Okay, great. Uh, well, that's the television series Sense8. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Uh, we like it, despite the fact that we sound just, like totally defeated right now. I
2: do feel a little defeated by it, and I would have felt this way even if we hadn't. Had to binge it. Yeah, I do feel this way about a lot of these shows.
1: It's just I hope they don't do this forever. I hope they get to make movies again. I like the Wachowski movies. Me too. I like when the Wachowski's make movies. I agree. Um. So what's next week, guys? What are we doing next week? We're doing the Animatrix.
2: Yes, we're going to delve into the Animatrix, which they oversaw yes. more than made, but nonetheless was a very important part. And we'll just. You know, one little check bin with the Matrix world and with the Wachowski. Yeah, yeah I think you
1: know, I'm gonna try to watch the uh, the forty minutes of Enter the Matrix, the video game footage as well for next week. Yeah, have fun with probably that. watch some of the special features, the appendixes and stuff. But we're just gonna we're gonna take one last dip into the world of the Matrix and say our, our so longs to the Wachowskis. Indeed. And I guess we'll announce what we're doing next. Oh my god. Yeah, it'll be a Cameron. It'll be a Cameron. Followed by another a Cameron. Cameron. Um, I feel like we should do a palate cleanser in between, but we haven't talked about what to do. But I think maybe, maybe, uh, you know, look forward to that. A surprise palate cleanser Quite coming possible. your way. Quite, Quite possible. Quite possible. Quite possible you might get a Sherbert. a podcast Sherbert. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm uh, so sleepy. Me too. I, uh, want to nap. Um, Ben, uh, burger report. You want to throw us a quick. Oh, yeah, sure. Burger report.
0: Burger report. Uh, oh, uh, Mario Batali was a friend of the, the the Spotted Pig. I think he was like maybe a co-owner too. I forget. Sure. Uh, and he would come in quite often, but one of my favorite- With the ma- Crocs? Yeah. Oh, orange Crocs? Always. always. Hell yeah. I think they're like signature Crocs of his. Yeah. But he would come in uh, sometimes for, for drinks. And so I'm pretty sure it was like, you know, maybe a weekday. Kitchen stayed open kind of late still. So he like had a burger. And then he pulled one of the most badass moves, which is he just lit up a fucking cigarette. Wow. And just started smoking, and nobody called him on
1: it. He's that is pretty impressive.
0: Mario Batali. And it was uh, kind of a badass move. Okay,
1: Ben, but I have a very important question for you. Yeah. Did he eat a burger? Oh, no, I said that. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, he came in, had a burger, and was drinking, hanging out, we and then listening. he just I'm lit so up. I'm so tired. My brain is dying on me right now. I need, I need a sense uh to jump in and, and listen uh instead. I Use need a good listening listener. power? Yeah. Uh well that was, that
2: <laughs> was <a burger> <laughs> <report>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you Benny Burger report. Sure. Now, now Ben, do you have an entry for Oh, da The orange <laughs> twist file? <laughs> um
0: uh, yeah, I guess I could do uh oh, hey one time I made Martha Stewart a martini. That's pretty cool. Was yeah. there an orange twist in it? Yeah. That was the orange twist. I mean, that that was it. I mean, and then here, this is like old gossip, but Mm. she ended up going into this restaurant at the same time that Rachel Ray was there. And she stared down Rachel Ray. And and Rachel Ray left. She had her food, her like entrees wrapped up and she left because she felt so uncomfortable. Well, wait a second. That... Oh, oh! she had the food wrapped up. Yeah, so you were saying.
2: She left. She ate her meal. She <laughs> right. ate the entree. She paid, paid her <laughs> check. And then left. And <laughs> she said, <"What laughs> thank you so much. I've never
1: seen anything like it before. <laughs> she finished
2: her meal. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, she took it to go. I yeah. will say, I've uh, gone to five burger restaurants in the last week and have seen zero famos. Mm. I've been going out Me of my way. Ha-
2: Wait, I have a burger report. What? Go on, go on. Last
1: week. Hey. Hold on. The burger report.
2: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Last Wednesday, I had a burger with Griffin Newman. Oh. oh. I did, though. You were there. Yeah. You didn't have a burger.
1: Yeah, I did. But didn't. we went
2: to a pub. It was after the episode, and Mound's I was so hungry.
1: We, yeah, I <laughs> ate chicken fingers, and you had a burger. And uh, Griffin Newman, of course, star of The Tick, which is going to be on Amazon in August. Please watch. Yep. Trying to drum up that excitement.
2: Um, That's my burger
1: report. That was... Oh, you know who (laughs) I saw yesterday but not a burger? Hold on one second. (laughs) (laughs) The burger report.
2: Yesterday, I was driving to Ample Hills, which is an ice creamery in Prospect Heights.
1: Yeah, it's also what they call Dolly Parton, right? Ample Hills? Uh, I'm not even going A pie? No. Dolly Parton? Ample <laughs> Hills? Ben? You get what I'm saying? Ample Hills?
0: Yeah. No, I, I got you. I, I okay. don't know. Maybe one comedy
1: point. Thank you. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> um, I was going there, and I get out of my car, mm-hmm. and I'm walking across the street, and guess who gets out of a big, back black, fancy, like, you know, sh- fancy car? Dolly Parton?
0: Beck.
1: Oh. Yeah. Beck with the good hair.
2: Beck with the good hair. And so he was there. And I saw him and said,
1: look, it's Beck. And everyone was like, huh, there he is. And Beck turned to you and he went, indeed it is. That's what happened. He winked and he. Except for that last part. Flipped a penny over his shoulder. <laughs> uh-huh. And then I hopped and skipped on a rainbow. Uh. Good old Anyway, Beck. celebrity sighting. Uh, I'm exhausted. I'm going to go to sleep right now. Cool. Uh, thank you all for listening.
0: Cool. Uh, rate,
1: review, subscribe, all the usual. Uh, next week, we're back with the Animatrix, and the week after that, a palate cleanser, and then a Cameron. So we got some surprises in store for you. You don't know. Yeah. Get excited. Get hyped. Get hyped. Mm-hmm. Get, get hyphy. Get hyphy. Yeah. Uh, as the Wilmot brothers say. Um, uh, yep. Yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks. You thanks know, as always. As always, thank. Uh, wish me a good night as I go to sleep. Uh, I Dip in the slumberland right away. Time. Yes. Uh, thanks to producer Ben as always. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, as always, as always, it's all about that dick.
0: <laughs> this has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network.